If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. Our girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan, and I gotta say, Joe, our favorite show, I think, is back. Well, my, I, I guess to speak to my own experience this week, I was screaming at the TV in joy. I love this week. I am totally back on board with this season after a rocky start last week um i'm so excited to talk about this episode i think this was awesome definitely it was i had to work late yesterday so i did not catch it live and i'm very sad that this was the one i could not catch live as opposed to i mean any other of the past three weeks i would have been okay watching later but this one was a bummer because it was very very good on all fronts it really was and i think it's interesting because Part of me is wondering if it's this episode was a masterpiece or if this was just kind of what Survivor kind of has been for most of its history that's been sort of lost. Like, to me, I, this episode was so refreshing and so different than what we've been given for a long time. But I think, truthfully, it might just be we haven't got good Survivor in a while. Like. I think that this could be every episode. I think for a long time, Survivor is hitting at a pace where most episodes were like this, where you got to meet mm-hmm. the characters and get a story and get a clear reason why someone went home, but still with some surprise and intrigue and like actual human beings playing a game. For sure. I mean, I think definitely there's some factor of bad episodes before this are really making us celebrate this episode when I do think it was just standard. I mean, really, maybe as short as Island of the Idols pre-merge. Like, I remember the sort of personality that that had, even with fitting and the Island of the Idols twist. Like, you got all those moments of, like, different people relating to one another. And it was nice this episode. I mean, this episode fit in a reward challenge as well. And still, Mm -hmm. I mean, it had human moments in the reward challenge too. So, yeah, I think it's not as distant as we think. I think the last few episodes, and especially last week's episode, really drug it down. And I think made us fear that Survivor was headed to a place we weren't ready to go. But this episode shows that they still, they they can do the right things. Maybe it was a bit of, I don't know, this is what could happen if if we don't get, like, I don't know, funding or whatever. <laughs> it's like a rant, last week was like a ransom note. It's like, yeah. this is what you're going to get. <laughs> I like that idea. It was like, yeah, it was almost like, it's kind of like, um, what, a Christmas carol? Like, last week we saw the ghost of Christmas, or of uh, Survivor's future. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. We want, we want to embrace the goodness and kindness in people's hearts. Like, bring it back, bring it back. Like, because, um, I mean, I think the thing that I'll remember five years from now about this episode, and I think, I know Inside Survivor recently did, like, an amazing series going through the top 100 episodes ever. And most of the ones that end up ranking high have, like, a gimmick kind of thing where you're like, oh, that's the episode where that happened. Um, mm-hmm. An example would be Jacket and Eggs, right? Like, yeah. that's the episode where the central conceit was about this 
specific memorable thing this episode for the most part i think was pretty bog standard survivor just done really well mm -hmm. the thing that i think we might remember is a reward challenge where there's actual emotional stakes coming out of it mm -hmm. and a challenge where there was emotional stakes within it i think that's what actually elevates this episode is the challenges weren't just dead air uh for no reason like i think the classic survivor super fan reddit nerd stereotype is we're super invested in the confessionals the challenges turn on come on and you're, you're tweeting on twitter or scroll like doom scrolling instead of actually watching the challenge mm -hmm. whereas this challenge actually had narrative stakes and that's what i think elevates this episode to being actually great yeah that is all very excellently put and i guess i did not think of it that way but definitely if you look at the challenges in this episode compared to previous ones just so much actual emotion and you're right stakes is the word because you can sort of see the writing on the wall in the reward challenge but there's a way that needs to resolve and it does and it's it's like one of the most emotional moments in survivor for me at the end of that challenge Definitely. um this is like if we would have been doing this show i think during game changers i mean i was memeing on it like i was like this is absurd when Ceres crossing the balance beam we've kind of poked fun at it since uh this one actually worked for me i think this is the first Siri balance beam inspired moment that has actually played well on tv in my opinion I have to say, I think for me, I know the whole situation just taps into my fears. Like I will often have nightmares of like not succeeding and then just breaking down. And so to see Heather essentially do that was like, oh my gosh, that could be me. And I just totally like got it and clicked into it. So I really like that. And then the way the immunity challenge was treated too, like it's a little weird that there were confessionals in there because it's just not something we're used to, but it worked for the challenge so much. Like yes. to just say that Danny and Deshaun were considering it and then sort of seeing the challenge as it happened would be kind of bland. But to see like both Ua and Yasa like failing and failing so miserably as Danny and Deshaun tried to this challenge was amazing. Like, I love that challenge. And they're both just stock standard survivor stuff, like nothing new. We've seen all of the parts of these throughout past seasons, but yeah, just the presentation made it so much better. Yeah, and it's it's also like it's this isn't the first time we've seen confessionals in a challenge. Uh, we definitely saw that like in Samoa. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple other seasons, and I mean, I think in a lot of ways we've been kind of banging this drum all season that this season I think feels more like Samoa than really any modern season has felt like there's a lot of things that are uh kind of harkening back to that season which is very interesting and spoiler alert for my read of what's happening i think that's not a coincidence but um on that note with the challenge i think you're right i think it we're also massively benefited by the fact that Deshaun and Danny are incredible narrators they're really funny they're really charming Danny giggling as he's talking <laughs> but like kind of matter of fact but still laughing it, it's just one of those little touches that's hard to um even put words to how how much that elevates that scene but also that it's just you're right it's the disaster of the other two like and I, I think there's a fear for me of this becoming like we've been talking about in the past with big becoming big brother where they're just narrating exactly what happens the whole time but this was actually very tastefully done they actually only talk, I think, like two or three times throughout this challenge. It's not wall-to-wall -wall confessionals. It's 
they add important context when you need it that that heightens the moment that's what you want from these things not just people can't focus on a thing for long enough to see events happen yeah they don't bother re-explaining what they need to do instead they're just like and at this point here's what i was doing to try to throw the challenge but also then this happened and and erica of course found the key and nasir just stepped in i also like that there's so much like dramatic irony in this yes situation so far like because danny and deshaun know they were throwing the challenge but nasir and erica were just going uh, the other two tribes had no idea and they're just flailing going as best they can so yeah just so much like unknown in the challenge that made it fun i also love that we still like like deshaun's in on the joke a little bit like i i love that part like i mean i thought it was pretty like if you're gonna knock any points i think by the when they're making confessionals in the middle of the challenge like it's pretty obvious they're winning right like yeah <laughs> like that tension's gone but that's fine like they sacrifice because they wouldn't be taught they would like, on a meta level you're like well they wouldn't be saying this if they win <laughs> Right? Like, um, they wouldn't be laughing at this concept, but I think, who cares? It was worth sapping some tension for just, like, the lunacy that happens. I think this is one of the funnier... This reminds me a lot, actually, of the Braun tribe in Kagiyan when they're trying to throw and can't do it. Um, but where you get, um, Evie is swimming in the wrong direction... <laughs> I, I was dying. I was watching this episode with friends. One of the funniest things I've ever seen, because it lasts like longer than you'd expect to. Like she, uh, mm -hmm. she's swimming in the wrong direction, gets called out. Another like whole bar of music plays. They're still swimming in the wrong direction. So good. Yeah, just because that is something fun where you can, on the rewatch, look in the background of like the other tribes that are already on the beach and see them already swimming in the other direction. And yeah, just a such a good clip to have like caught because it's you can see exactly what's happening. You can see them yelling at her, but or yelling at them, but they can't understand because of the water splashing. And then they finally clue in and and they won the challenge <laughs> basically. <But> they won <laughs> yeah i i think that's the thing that's also so good is that you also get this i think i mean one shout out to the survivor production team for nailing the cinematography of this that's not easy to perfectly capture that moment where evie is swimming wrong and you get the framing of all the people around uh them being like what are you doing that's actually really hard to do uh, and they, it's perfect. It reads perfectly on TV. Um, Nasir just going ham on those rings and those blocks was so funny. It was just, it was a perfect little, little moment. And I'm glad that they took a moment here to breathe because last week we saw a survivor that was gasping for air, right? Like they're like frantically, like it felt frantic and rushed and like they couldn't actually say what they wanted to. And this felt like they really carefully considered how to make these moments pop because that's what survivor is the collection of moments because we're never actually going to get every little thing that happens and right. i think survivor should take from this episode it's okay to just make some moments really special not explain every little thing every single person does and finds like in the same way that some alliances and friendships you hear after the season didn't matter they didn't make the show in past seasons we don't necessarily need to see all these advantages see them be found see them be read put that on cbs all access or sorry paramount plus 
Is that yeah. what it's called now? Okay. Now Paramount Plus. Like, put that stuff on there. Tell people you can keep up with what advantages and twisty stuff is on there. And and show us this stuff. Like, the, the thing that's both amazing and unfortunate about this episode, Joe, is this could be every episode of Survivor. Sure. And I think for a long time it was. Yeah, I definitely think one thing coming out of this episode is, like, see what you get from paring back the advantages, especially where it's just reading a piece of paper. Because we saw a reward challenge, and we saw the after effects of the reward, and that itself was really interesting. But when it's just people finding pieces of paper that are not immediate either, it's not something they're going to use immediately or be able to use at all, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it really delays that, and then it's just taking up time in a in an episode. Now, considering what happened this episode, all that time they devoted to Brad last episode feels even more like weighing it down. It just doesn't feel important. And like looking at how the season is going, just devoting so much time to these two tribes alone, let alone all their advantages, just feels like a failing. And I think if you are comparing it to Samoa, which I should say we're on very different spectrums, I think I'm. Going Going in more of a Kagi on sense for this. Um, I definitely got Kagi on vibes with this. Um, but if you can. Like, you go back to Samoa, like, we didn't want to see Galoo get pushed under the radar. Like, that season would be better than it is if we got more time devoted to them, I think. So, there is space there, and I've sort of lost where I was going with this. But, yeah, they're sort of, they don't have a full grasp of where they need to spend their time, I think. They got there this episode, and it was interesting to see everyone. But, yeah, it could be every episode, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we, that's the thing, is last week feels like we wasted an hour, you know? you know Mm -hmm. of watching nothing happen but people read and it shows a lack of confidence in the cast whereas this week i'm like this is the cast you were seemingly unconfident in like they're all good like heather who was like oh maybe she's you know i get died and maybe that's why this is happening is super captivating and super interesting like Erica was awesome on the tv show and she hasn't been here because we had to see brad read stuff Like, that's a frustrating thing, but my hope is that, almost what we were saying last week, where maybe this season's gonna get better as it goes on. And we actually haven't had that in a long time. We've gotten, oh, this is so good, best season ever, oh, this merge is unwatchable. Maybe we are actually finally getting a slow burn turns into a really amazing, memorable season again. For the first time in forever. Yeah, I hope so. I this episode for sure showcased almost all of its all of its castaways and the ones we didn't see we had seen before. We knew what to expect from them. So yeah, I'm hoping going forward. Of course, as the numbers pare down and everyone gets a little bit more screen time, that's gonna help. But just knowing how to split your time, what's worth showing, and capturing those special moments is what makes Survivor good. Absolutely. And I guess just like, I also just want to give some credit here to the cast where every confessional in this episode was really good. Like, really well delivered, uh, had an interesting twist that showed you uh, something about them, right? I think a good example is Sydney's confessional, which is obviously They Hate Me Because They Ain't Me episode title. Uh amazing iconic confessional i thought um that told you like you could just watch that and get everything you need to know about sydney the character that we've been shown so far in the season and that's how you know it's uh, a really good style of delivery and everything 
Um, I think just amazing editing to get that to be a powerful moment, as well as in, like just this whole episode felt tasteful and thoughtful. Yeah, they like captured even out of confessional. I feel they captured the like humor and playfulness of the cast too. Like I think of Tiffany's scene when she gets back with the fish and her confessional after or i feel like genie's confessionals were surprisingly funny given what we've got of genie so far and yeah there was he had one really weird line where she said all the liquids in her body are gone like that's no one's ever said that before genie that's a weird thing to say yeah they just gave room for people to be people and it worked so well yeah um and then i think the only other like interesting thing that I wanted to flag here before we go into the stories is they did a previously on survive like Evie was narrating the previously on survivor and they actually used the flashbacks we haven't got a previously on survivor what I think we flagged in edge of extinction that they got rid of it um and it hasn't returned since uh weird thing to call reference to that you're not doing anymore yeah that that's fair I don't know it was such an unconventional choice and like many other choices in this episode but it worked so well i mean there's something to be said about yasa being painted as these underdogs when they're not that so much anymore um but that's for later but yeah it was definitely an interesting choice that i i actually appreciated um yeah that's honestly the one in this episode that i was i don't know how i feel about the flashbacks but um i don't know it's in a way cool to see them do something new if this kept going i'd probably be annoyed by it but uh i mean i actually have always seen value in the previously on um so it coming back in some way just as something that was there for what 38 seasons of survivor (laughs) <laughs> uh is pretty cool i guess mm-hmm, for sure so yeah i mean great episode super excited to talk about it uh moving forward i think that we have a lot of changes here this was also a very theme rich season i feel like uh last week we kind of flagged and the week before that and the week before that flagged this feels awfully plot heavy and awfully like there's just stuff happening and not so much mm-hmm. diving into like the themes and that sort of thing. And I actually think that went away. I think this is actually a very narrative-heavy episode. Yes, it was like the plot heaviness was a weather condition just over the season, and it, the clouds have cleared, and now we're just deep in the narrative and trying to find out what the what the stories of this are. That being said, they all still kind of, for me, bunch up around the same sort of vibes mm-hmm. for sure, but it's it's being explored much more vastly than it was before. Right. I actually think we did a good job scraping through the very little we got um, in the previous episodes. I just think we now know what they're actually saying. I think we knew before, like, the, um, you know, you're going to a conference and you know, like, the general theme of it or, like, a party. But, like, it could be interpreted a couple different ways. Like, um, I'm my brain's going to... Uh, Arrested Development, the fire sale when Tobias uh, starts acting as if uh, the, the a building's on fire versus like it being a really good sale. Um, I feel like that's kind of where we were at before. Whereas now I think we actually can get and extrapolate a decent meaning out of these things. For sure. So let's jump in there uh, with our themes and stories. Um, and with that uh i think we have to look here at the very first one and so if you're new to the show what we do is we go through uh sort of motifs themes ideas and concepts that are recurring and seem to be telling us where this story is going um i think still to 
for my money, the theme of this season is about risk and danger um, and all the ways that it influences the game. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think there's a huge part of this, which is the harder physical game. We see our boy Nathan in this episode, who, spoiler alert, is my number one winner contender. Um, <laughs> just be a, a literal, literal Spider-Man. Um, but in general, I think we're seeing a big um, discussion on kind of what Shan says in this episode, right? That Survivor's never been so quote-unquote Survivor. Uh, that there's actually an there's a, a, a more raw physical element to this season than ever before. And I think it's taking a... And that's a good reason to keep providers around sort of motif. Yeah, I, I hear it. I heard that line both times and I was like, that is a wild claim to make on your 41st season, especially when you've been here start to finish and you know the way the game has evolved from something that was so so survival focused to what it is now, where elements of that got pushed to the side and it became very much about the game. And it's like, oh, why don't we just have Survivor in a house? It's the same thing. But no, this season is all about being like, the physical surviving part of it is taxing, it's hard, it's important to this season. And I think I think right after Shan says that is when someone on her tribe calls her Nathan Jr., which mm -hmm. I thought was an interesting thing to note. So, yeah, no. And I mean, I guess Joe question over under. Are we getting medevacs this season? Because I feel like the last time we got this extreme focus on the physicality of Survivor was co wrong. And obviously we saw, what, three medevacs from that season? Um, right now we're seeming clear. Do you think that there's a, a chance that that might be where we're going? Could we be getting one or more medevacs? It seems, I don't know, it seems like it doesn't fit. Like the people I would think most prime for medevac are the people who don't feel like their story is heading towards a medevac, if that makes sense. I yeah. don't, and I think there's also the idea that this season has been talked about as like, there's a monster or whatever, and that really lends heavily to something really bad happening like a medevac. But the way the season's going tone-wise, I don't think there will be any medevacs. I'm actually right there with you. I think I agree. I agree. You're right. This weird monster thing hanging over the season that... As far as I can tell, it's only in the marketing materials is super weird because this is a fairly light season, right? Like, I would say this feels pretty... I mean, maybe it's just because we're right out of... Uh, Island of the Idols and Winners at War, which were fairly dark, but um, it feels bright and it feels if you had to like almost pastel-y more than like the thunderclouds and the monster and horror movie stuff. Like that's not the vibe I'm getting at all. I think it's possible there's a medevac. I don't think honestly that it's really been set up that much. I think it's more they're trying to reclaim the identity of it being a very physical situation. Um, but I do think that means we should be on the lookout for things like you're mentioning. I think that is very likely the winner will be in many ways defined by their relationship to nature and the, uh, you know, the elements. I think that there will be a serious focus at some point with with that like i don't think that's necessarily true of our most recent winners like like a tommy or a tony didn't necessarily have that connection whereas i think those seasons did veer way more into game is game and 
that's that's what matters right Mm -hmm. that's not so much where we're going with this season yeah i'm sort of thinking back to edge of extinction which almost required chris to have this sort of like physical game attachment and it was more in terms of like i'm using my physical prowess to be strategic in yeah edge of extinction um but you're right even before that it's so so focused on on the actual strategy part i mean wendell had a tiny tiny bit of it but otherwise it was very very game heavy so. Right, and like you do see it now and then, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's not like we've been totally divorced, but yeah, I think even even a Chris, his story ends up being he wanted to play a perfect survivor game in terms of raw strategy, and when that didn't work, he kind of had to retreat to survival kind of based stuff, right? Uh, but like I think the core thing was that he was trying to play Kim Spradlin, and he ended up Aussie or whatever, right? Like that's I think kind of where you end up threading that needle. Um, we haven't seen this in a long time, and I think it's really, really interesting. Also, I don't know if it's true. They're only there for 26 days. I feel like even if they're more hungry or whatever, and maybe this is just my raw ignorance about surviving for 39 days, not a survival expert, I feel like no matter what, 39 days is going to be a whole lot harder than 26. Yeah, I think you. there have been seasons where you see the... The toll 39 days has taken. I mean, it just depends on looking at the production side and seeing how different things really are between um, this season and other seasons. Because they can tell us, like, oh, no food and all this. But, like, they're getting fishing gear. They're getting, like, rewards that are fruit. Like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the the difficulty of the season physically connects with, like, what's actually happening it doesn't like if feel... you flashback to co wrong by this point caleb had already almost died on our tv screens you know what i mean like I-, I have a hard time thinking this is a harder climate than cambodia like cambodia even looked hot you know what i mean like um and i guess by cambodia i'm, I'm meaning co wrong but they-, they were in cambodia um like they it looked hot like you had sydney talk about how it's like a kitchen there all the time then you have like i, I feel like co wrong is probably much more surreal than this season was um or is but that's our story for right now yeah um and we've also seen kind of a decimation of our like stereotypically um provider people right like we have a kind of voce kind of called it he was like if you're the one who volunteers to um be the provider person you could be in danger like our boot order is looking a little um heavy on like athletic person you know like abraham voce brad and jd may have all been the biggest guy on their tribe when they were voted out Hmm. yeah i guess i guess that's fair um yeah but that's such an interesting thing to point out in like contrast to this theme because you would think those people would be excelling yeah and we're not getting that so far like the weird holdout is nasir is just over there like being the provider and I mean, who knows where he is on Luvu's roulette wheel of targets, but um, yeah. he's doing okay, I guess. He's still there. Right. And I mean, I think we've seen Risk be an element in general. Like, I think we see in this episode, we see Shan make a risk in getting JD's advantage, right? Like, getting rid of somebody who she says is a family member in order to, um, you know, benefit as well the obvious um situation of throwing a challenge 
I don't think there's a in the survivor, uh, you know, vocabulary. I don't know if there's anything tied higher to risk than throwing a challenge. Right. That's definitely something that other seasons have treated strangely. Like it's I, I can't recall a situation where it's been a positive choice to throw a challenge. Like, you have the very quintessential example of Zapatera sort of cursing themselves <laughs> by throwing the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a very similar situation is the Braun tribe and Kagion trying to throw a challenge but not being able to. Um, yeah, this has got to be, like, to my memory, the most positive uh, throw has ever looked. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if this one looks positive. See, this looked, like, I feel like the previous ones, like, Zapatera was, this is a, like, almost the sin you know what i mean like sure. uh and then i feel like the brawn tribe was more like i guess it was similar to this one but like i think a little bit more like they were being like mean almost and then this one feels like like it was like a bit like it was like a like it was like a joke. Yeah, I think it it juxtaposes interestingly against another theme that came up this episode. So I think I'll talk about it more yeah. when we get there. Uh, and yeah, I mean we're still seeing risk. Um, obviously as we mentioned last week, whole lot of advantages in this game. Um, and we still have things like Xander still can't vote. You know, if he went to tribal, he would still not be able to vote. Um, and that was a risk he took taking that beware advantage. Um, and I think we're seeing it kind of all over. Um. Even like JD being like, I'm not actually, I, this is the last time I'm giving away this uh, vote. I promise. Like, I, it's a risk, but trust me, I get it. And, you know, rip. Um, yeah. So, obviously, huge focus on c- carefully considering decisions and that sort of thing. Um, that brings us here to our next theme, which is what we've kind of flagged as what Survivor means to people. And I think we got a lot of clarity on what this is actually saying. So, we've also kind of flagged the idea that. There's something going on with how people come off versus how they actually authentically are. And our boy Jeff Probst, I think, summed up, and this is, I guess, beginning of my um, turn into what I think's going on here, is Jeff Probst says something along the lines of, listen, I love strategy in the game, but the reason I'm still here, the most important thing is when someone is vulnerable and lets us watch. I think is, to me, everything i need to know about this season i think we're seeing a story of knowing who you are and being authentically yourself even if that's not great even if you aren't the best provider doing the best that you can be to be a good provider is what this story is about it doesn't matter if brad's naturally out there on uh on the farm knowing how to do everything it matters that you're trying your best to what you're capable of and not hiding behind a mask not pretending to be someone else like like jd is uh It's embracing the faults of yourself to your own benefit, I think. I think it's an important theme. I think the people who do authentically treat themselves as they are are being rewarded like edit wise and also just in the game but i don't know if it will be necessarily like if it's bad if it's also good i'm thinking i guess it hasn't happened yet so we'll see but i'm thinking of how this will potentially interact with like someone like sydney who i would argue is like who they actually are is a little 
bad, but I don't have a good outlook for them. So I think it's definitely something the show wants to focus on. And I think that Winner will be someone who has embraced who they are and knows who they are. But I don't think it will necessarily reward being a bad person over. Yeah, I know. I think that's actually a very um, good caveat. Like, I think we see Heather be um, kind of a spokesperson for this theme in terms of I really, really wanted to be good and I was so nervous I wouldn't be and then I wasn't and that that hurts a lot but to me what this season is telling me is Joe I think we are getting a why somebody lost season and I think the reason they lose is going to be being phony or fake and I think that we are going to witness the winner be somebody who is unapologetically themselves even if they're not the best player is I guess, um, spoiler alert for my thoughts on my winter contenders. I think we are getting a good old fashioned Samoa style winner. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty all in on this idea. Yeah, I think this is sort of, so we stopped talking around it, which is like I did in my explanation of the theme. We're sort of diverging on our, on our paths and contenders in this season. I'm still, I would say that I'm comparing this to Kagion, where there are sort of unconventions and strangenesses about, but I still think the editor is, or not the editor, the editor, the winner is someone who is just playing the game hard and we get to see all of it, warts and all. Maybe it isn't all great. Maybe there is a little bad in there now, but I think it's really embracing all these characters and letting us sort of show that balance. And so. honestly, for everything I'm saying here, I actually think that both of those can, I guess, be true in my mind. I think we're getting a winner who has edge, like either harsh edges or is a little bit more like, un- I-, I think we're getting an unconventional winner. And I would describe Tony actually as an unconventional winner in terms of we haven't seen a whole lot of winners get caught in their own lies and with like, I'm a construction worker, just kidding, I'm a, I'm a cop, no, I'm a construction worker. Oh, sometimes you lose your tools on the field and you never know if somebody's gonna steal your tools. Like, we got like a lot of warts on Tony and I think you're right. And so to me, I think we're either getting a Tony type where we're like, look, he's a great player, but he also has all these weird issues or a Natalie White. And I think either of those is possible and will kind of inform my analysis moving forward. They're saying you have Heather number two to Nathan. (laughs) What's more unconventional than not even a player in the season? (laughs) Um, But no, I don't have Heather that high, unfortunately. (laughs) I wish. Um, I think she's... Yeah, I feel like I should set the... I'm not saying yeah, anything. Right. I, yeah, I set you up for that. I, I totally get what you're saying, though. There's a lot of unconvention in this season so far. I mean, Heather aside, there's just all these bizarre edits that we're not quite sure what to do with. And I mean, we'll describe a bunch of those uh, if that's the way you're going. I mean, but just also naturally. So, um, so yeah, I definitely get what you're saying there. I'm just not... I'm just sort of staying the course at the moment. I've been burned too many times by going the other way <laughs> so I'm... yeah no I, I i i felt being pulled to the dark side but we're going with it for now um i think on that note we have one that we flagged for a while is the idea of the sacrifices that have to be made uh in order to do well in survivor and i think this one rears its head big time in the not giving up and we saw this big time in episode two 
when uh, Nasir makes fire, but then says something along like, it's all about Deshaun's, like, discipline, dedication, determination, the three Ds. Nasir says something like, Deshaun's gonna practice fire every day for 39 days, or whatever. Um, and this episode, we get, this line is said literally three times in the episode right after itself. I think part of it's the weird slow-mo effect going on. But they say, it's about not giving up. That's what matters. It's about what's about not giving up. That's what matters. And I think that's what we're getting at here with the, um, again, this being a theme as well, to me is again indicating the most important quality is not giving up. And I'm flashing back to our Christy, almost from Australian Survivor style, is, is really what I'm kind of looking for. Um, and yeah, it's the only way the, and Danny says the only way to fail is to not give a hundred percent effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely, it was interesting because we obviously saw it with Heather and you could sort of take that like, oh, that's a very nice moment. Of course, Heather shouldn't give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the next scene you see is Yasa coming back with their reward. And that's when you get the flashback about how they didn't give up. And now they're now they're winning challenges and succeeding. And then this is where I think it's interesting to have those two juxtaposed against Danny and Deshaun throwing the challenge. Because in a way that is giving up. Like that's not going for what, what you should do. And I mean it didn't burn them here. But I think for me that sort of sets them up poorly down the road. In that they. They, they didn't give their all. Yeah. Like, they literally didn't give a hundred effort. And they still won. Won, but they failed at what they were like. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I think it is interesting on that note. We do see Danny say how much trouble that's giving him. He says, as a professional athlete, I'm going to have a really hard time doing this. This goes against everything that I've ever wanted to be or like everything I've ever worked towards. Very interesting. He basically says he's abandoning his, what we know of him, who he actually is in that moment. Um, I think that says so much about where the season's going um, as to how how that's all being framed. Um, additionally, we get JD saying um, to Jeff something along the lines of like, it's not supposed to be easy. Nothing good ever is. I think all of this is summing up to say basically that like you're going to have to lose parts of yourself, lose things. Uh, that you care about um, and make sacrifices in order to get ahead. Um, I, I really think that is going to be the motivating theme here for a winner. I think I expect something along those lines to be said in Final Tribal Council. Like along what lines? Like, like you know, I I, I really think we're going to get like I was underestimated and I never gave up. No one expected me to do well because of X. And I was able to, even though I didn't play the, even, even though I made this mistake, even though I did this thing that wronged somebody, um, um, I never gave up, um, and I made the sacrifices that were needed to succeed. Something like that. Hmm. Okay. Sort of, to, like, oversimplify it, masking a bitter jury, almost. <laughs> like, yes. Justifying why they would have voted this person over this person who played a really great game. Exactly. I, I really, truly think that we are going to get a... I mean, we made fun of this in the preseason, but do you remember when we were kind of dogging on Brad preseason because he was like, I really want to come from behind winner. <laughs>
That's what we're getting, Joe. Brad and his infinite facial expression power cursed the season. I think we're getting a good old-fashioned bitter jury, and we're getting a... They tried their best, even Mm -hmm. when they weren't... They're not naturally good at the game or or something like that. Like I said, I'm not there yet, but I don't know. I could see, I could see it because there are those those people sort of in the in the wings with half good edits or not quite sure edits that I could see swooping in there somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, for what it's worth, I'm not that dire. Like I still have some heavy hitters fairly high. Um, it's just to me, I I feel like there's a good chance that this is what we're looking at. And it's weird because if you're on episode, I don't know, four of Samoa, um, it's 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 a it's a weird call to be like, hey, this is a story of how Russell doesn't win or whatever. But you do get a lot of the story in Samoa is Betsy, right? Like she gets this amazing at that's that's her name, right? Betsy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gets this amazing confessional being like she's the one who sees through Russell and there are these early signs of seeing through things being valuable in Samoa right like that's a big part of that story is um kind of being able to cut through things being able to be underestimated Natalie White has that infamous confessional where uh she's like yeah like people are gonna underestimate me but I'm gonna prove them wrong kind of thing like I I really think that's sort of what we're getting here, just under a slightly different lens. And without that clear Russell figure, unless it's Shan, but I'd be so heartbroken if Shan's the losing finalist, but I do think it's possible at this point. Yeah, I think sort of the popular opinion circulating is sort of, of course, talking about Shan, like far and away the number one contender as of last episode. I don't know if that still holds true because you're getting these theories that are like, what if Shan is too good? What's the sort of potential for all these bigger characters falling by the wayside and one of these smaller or more unconventional characters coming to the forefront? And so people are definitely talking about that. I saw people sort of comparing Natalie White's content to even people like Liana or Ricard, and I did didn't get a chance to watch it myself but they were saying her early content is much more indicative than we're getting from Liana and Ricard even who are high contenders for a lot of people mm-hmm. so I yeah I, I may go back and check on that because I'm curious to see I think we've painted a picture of what Natalie White means for Survivor especially 22 seasons later and I'm curious That's to see wild, how it was, by the way <laughs> how it was actually presented on the show because you're right she had she had good content like that but also people talking about her sort of Betsy with that confessional Ashley sort of talking for where they stood in the game like mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff so yeah like if anything a lot of these people actually seem more like an Ashley in Samoa like, like no one's really completely gone and, ch- you know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, like, I, I think you're onto something there. Like, I, I think that they probably wouldn't do the actual Natalie now. But I guess I, what I'm saying is I do think this is going to be, in the same way that I think even, like, Co-Rong is almost a why Aubrey lost sort of season, right? right. Like, um, to a le- much lesser degree than Samoa. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of what we're witnessing here. Um... But yeah, that's like my thoughts here on uh, these set of stories. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. We still have sort of young people floating in there, but now JD and Sarah are gone, so that's sort of. I think that story's all. over, Joe. I think it was, and they didn't. They failed to switch it up. I mean, there's still some young people left, so. Yeah, but. And then one, there's. Oh, go ahead. One of them was not in this episode. Xander's gone. <laughs> 
Um, that's true. That's fair. And then there's the idea of women don't get credit in the end, how they're going to fare in this season, which the first or four of the first five boots have been men. So they're they're definitely in abundance. We'll see if it pays off or if it's just another. <laughs> like, let's highlight this because the season ends a different way sort of story. Right. And I do think there's a possibility here that what we're actually seeing is just another motif of robberies in the end. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on Stories Joe? Not at the moment. I'm glad there's a more diverse selection, even if it makes our jobs a little harder trying to pick through it. <laughs> so let's jump here to the castaways. That brings us here to where we go through everybody's story and see where we think they're going. I'm really excited to talk about a lot of these folks. Um, and so we'll start here with the winners of the challenge the Yasa tribe. Woohoo, it's a new place for them. It's weird to start with Evie, but here we are. <laughs> it really is. Um, but yeah, um, especially considering how they performed in this challenge. <laughs> uh, they got a B minus in direction, so. That was the most ludicrous. Like, how is it a B minus if you're going <laughs> the wrong way? Yeah. Here in Canada, a B minus is a pretty good grade. Like, <laughs> you still got to study. You still got to know 70, 70% of what you're talking about. Like, it's not an easy grade, and they're just giving away these B minuses. Yeah, it's heavy. How, what grade would their edit be? Uh, oh, it's going up. It's, I mean, last week I was like, oh, this ain't looking good. I'm a little bit higher on Evie this week. I think that, um, I'm now, like, obviously got amazing content this week. Like, pretty glowing i think hard to deny that right yeah to get like the content over the baby turtles Mm -hmm. going to the sea is i think anyone's dream that's probably on jd's checklist oh yeah (laughs) that's a box right like narrating a inspiring nature moment like that's absolutely on my survivor bucket list (laughs) and that was a good confessional like uh they were right like the, the turtle did seem comically small in comparison to the hole um, I don't know if it's unbelievable that the turtle could get out of the hole because um, like inclines are, are a thing that help. But um, yeah, no, a great episode for Evie. Like if you are a Evie stock owner, I feel like you can go buy a new car based on last week. That said, I kind of am still of the opinion that we're on the right track with Evie. That I think they're probably the main character or the second main character or whatever. And just people relevant to Evie are who I am looking at as the winner. But I don't know. I still I still think, uh, you know, sometimes it is just that simple. Sometimes the, the, like the, if it's a horse race, the one that has the highest odds on it d- does just win. Like, you know what I mean? And, um, it's so weird dealing with folks like this with Evie because you never know. Like, if you don't include them at all and then they win, it's like, well, I kind of knew this was possible. But if you, you know, it's like, how do you place the person who is the obvious? Like, I even think decoy is the wrong word. I just think Evie is an important character with a lot of personality that we will inform and be the foil and complement to characters that need more shine to matter. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I think that's a very, very accurate read of the situation. I guess with what you're saying about their stock increased this episode, I was so thrown off by last week, I think, that I didn't even properly evaluate this episode in terms of them. But you're right, this was a good episode for them. Um, but I've been so I was so thrown off that I think I'm still not valuing them as a as a winner contender. And I think it is really showing the dichotomy between Evie and some other certain person 
person, which you surely can't guess at this point, in the way you can see between a big character versus someone with a lot of, like, winner potential. There's just such a dichotomy between those two, where it's like, with Evie, I can say, oh, they are one of these people who are going to fall by the wayside and maybe make room for other people to take the crown, versus, let's just say, Shan, who has all these winner scenes and, to me, just seems like a legitimate winner contender. So I think the... The biggest detractor maybe for Evie right now is that they are constantly getting compared to Shan for me in my head. And I I, I just can't imagine them winning when they're both still here. I think that's excellent analysis, Joe. Um, to me, the issue with Evie is last week for sure. They were borderline invisible um last week and that's just not how this goes and maybe we're wrong and maybe this is a a new direction is you know randomly replacing your main characters or whatever i just it's still gonna burn a hole in my pocket thinking that um it's just it's not Mm -hmm. it's not the winner i don't think i think this is i don't really like the word decoy but if there is one i feel like it's heavy um also again amazing swimming scene um (laughs) Yeah, you said a new direction, and I was like, well, yeah. I can tell you what direction to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do not get your orient like direction advice from Evie. I, I guess, like, I know Survivor does this a lot, like, um, and I, I read one of my, uh, I, I saw this on Reddit, I believe, so this is a borrowed take, but the idea of Evie swimming in the wrong direction being some sort of motif or something, honestly, I, I wish it was that. I, I think no matter what this, this gets shown, like, that's just really funny, and they're not gonna leave, like, I don't know, I don't think, yeah, for Evie sure. could be the greatest Survivor player of all time, and if you're swimming in the wrong direction, they're gonna show you swimming in the wrong direction, it's just, it's never happened before i don't like, as far as i don't remember that ever happening before yeah I, I sort of thought of it in this moment like huh would you show your winner that way but no you're showing that moment regardless because it's such a like i said perfect piece of cinema yeah. that you have to like and, and, and it's fun and it didn't yeah. cost them the challenge so yeah they still won like if that's the reason they lost they'd probably put some spin on it or something but mm-hmm. yeah like i think as is there's no need to really disqualify them to me i have Evie like number six like right off the cusp of my contenders list um still could see it like it's not as if they were i don't know this episode was good enough to me that they're back on stable ground mm-hmm. from last week um especially if this continues if this is the rest of uh, their content contempt yeah. yet I just think it's way more likely. Like, I mean, we've been making this comparison literally since episode one. I think Evie is literally Christian. <laughs> like, <laughs> almost to a T. And yeah, Christian also didn't win, but was an important stor- uh, part in the story of the winner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're going with Evie. No longer think they're going to be a shock pre-merge vote. I think Evie's going deep. Evie's probably in the like top nine in that range i guess that's not a super hot take at this point but um yeah yeah i have every seventh but i'm being very stingy with my contender so that's pretty deep down like i don't think it's a high chance but i do think a very interesting person to start with because where we're coming at it from very different angles where i'm still sort of favoring like good winner contender equity and you're sort of i mean you're still looking at that <laughs> that sounds like you're just <laughs> but i'm, I'm more... throwing darts at the dartboard joe yeah. a, a different take i think evie doesn't quite fit into either of those at the moment and that's why we're struggling with them yeah. so yeah I, I think just call it a decoy if you want it's just mm-hmm. i don't know 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know, like, very charismatic, though. Like, I feel like they're getting Evie's character more now. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, that episode two was really, really bad when it, it was just, like, game bot Evie. Whereas this was fun. Like, super fan into the moment Evie is very fun, I think. And that's where we're, I think you can get the, the fun. Um, not so into the end up wall to wall confessional Evie. Mm-hmm, so hopefully sure. we stick with this one and uh it, it'll be good moving forward i do think that evie's story is starting to look like like liana last week said that it was a million dollar mistake i think that might be sort of where we're going i think evie's probably going to gamble on the wrong horse sort of thing i think that we're seeing evie be open to sharing other people's secrets and i think that is going to be what is evie's undoing uh one thing that's interesting about this tribe is they do say we a lot like this feels like your united front these four even though xander's just kind not really there but um yeah we'll, we'll we'll get there yeah yeah they felt very united and i mean of course they're winning challenges and they get to see all the turtles um obviously next episode sort of is <laughs> apparently throwing that into disarray but yeah they feel very united when we were predicting ua to be the like nice happy tribe and they're anything but that now so yeah Yeah. especially also against luvu too luvu is clearly not all at peace with one another so no for sure Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't have anything else on evi i'm sure uh they're gonna be brought up a lot with our future people here so let's jump here to liana joe where was liana this week she got to look at the turtles she did really good in the challenge she did she swam the right way i mean if if a b minus liana certainly got what a A plus plus. 103 (laughs) rewrote the 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 grade scale on swimming in the correct direction um yeah no i i kind of can't believe it but i have liana very very high i think there's still a really good chance that liana's our winner um again mostly for everything that we just said about evie and what i've been saying is i think that we're going to get a winner that is maybe not the most exciting i don't think it's a coincidence that this tribe is all of a sudden um like a big happy we thing like all of evie's content that was really good was not about evie it was about the yasa tribe and how they were underestimated and how they've proven people wrong and big like look we're a unit and that's what matters over look how great Evi is which is another sign of i think what i'm calling here uh you know the non-traditional not alpha winner and liana's a really good beneficiary or whatever of that uh, of that attention yeah i think if you sort of make a venn diagram of the two ways we're looking at the game which i've i've phrased it better now you're sort of focusing on the stories and what they're telling you and putting that into play and i'm sort of looking more strictly at like edit shape wise i Mm -hmm. think liana is like smack dab in the middle where Mm -hmm. it is a good edit that looks like like a winner but also plays into these themes that we're seeing of maybe it's not a straightforward season maybe the best strategist doesn't win um yeah you're getting liana on both of those fronts um so yeah i definitely agree this was a, a not a like great episode for liana like she didn't get to add anything but it wasn't a death knell yeah so. And that's the thing is with this kind of winner, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, this kind of uh, if if Liana were to win, um, it's more okay for them to be quiet. Like, mm-hmm. the issue is more in the construction of a narrative. Like, 
even if Liana wins, they they probably wouldn't view her as a top player to, that they must show in this moment. Even if Liana is playing really well, they're just not the character that Evie is. So when Evie vanishes, it's like, where'd she go? If Liana vanishes for one episode, when they've been pretty consistent in the rest of them, I don't think that's a bad thing. If anything, I think that's actually okay for her. Um, it'd be better if she had one confessional or something, but I really don't think it's a big deal that Mm -hmm. she wasn't prominent in this episode. Especially, yeah, considering this episode's structure and sort of how jam-packed it was with good things, if you gotta give Yasa the scene of the turtles, give those confessionals too, Evie and Tiffany. Tiffany has a really great confessional about, like, how they're succeeding now, and Evie, Evie too, so... They're both about about we. They're both about the Yasa tribe. Mm -hmm. They're not about... Tiffany and Evie. They are about them as a unit, them being underestimated, them being little turtles climbing out of the holes. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of we focus. And it almost reminds me of, like, I think this was like the go to editing trick of like early Survivor, right? Like, um, like you just get like even, even Samoa, right? Like Foa Foa. Like this gives me a lot of that kind of vibe or uh, the IQ4, like some, you know, like. Mm-hmm. that's the energy this is all giving where it is um all about the unit and yeah I, th- I think that's pretty interesting yeah yeah i think those are really good points and i think it's possible liana wasn't giving those types of confessionals and also we've talked about how liana's confessionals may not be the greatest especially when compared to evie or tiffany who <laughs> do have a lot of humor and charisma i think liana puts it more straightforward and sometimes that really works but that wasn't what was needed here so yeah like uh, that's the thing is like again no shade to liana but i feel like her confessional here would have been like the turtles were cute i enjoyed my time with the turtles or something. i enjoyed my time there this is my special no wheeze yeah. about it my liana's special turtle moment yeah and i just think that's not what it's gonna call for <laughs> and that's the thing is i mean like you flash back to even a winner like bob or something right like i by the end, you're able to figure out that Bob's the winner because he's the only one left on the Coda tribe, right? Like, mm-hmm. and in a way, even though um, many players looked better beforehand, you were still looking for like the like Bob still was on the tribe that got all the empowering stuff, right? Like they yes. got the positive moments, they got the happy family unit kind of stuff. Um, and Bob's the one that's left at the end. I could easily see that being Liana. Yeah, I think that's a good point, because I I know the turtle scene made me think of the elephant scene from Gabon, and I... I was like, there's no link between these two. Like, Gabon is not this season. <laughs> but if you sort of think, I like that sort of thinking where, like, Bob was from Coda, which in comparison to Fong was, like, so, like so much higher in capability. Um, if you compare Yasa, which we just discussed as the, like, we United tribe, to both Luvu and Ua, like, they just look more united. Yeah. And, yeah, I think there's something there. I'm curious to see how 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 this scene we got from tiffany and the next time on really plays out but yeah i think there is something where maybe yasa is being shown as just the the capable group yeah no for sure and i i mean i think there's some interesting foreshadowing that's been set up and i guess we'll talk about that more when we get to luvu but i think that they're really i guess my prediction is i think that like Deshaun mentions that he's scared of Luvu getting picked off at the merge. And then Uwa seems like it's just kind of kind of a disaster. So Yasa is kind of uniquely positioned to kind of play the swing and 
be kind of the sense the the hub of power almost at the start of this merge mm-hmm. um so i think that's an interesting spot for them as well like I could see this happening, even if they're not the complex tribe, even if they're not going on a win. Like it could happen, they're just like the the center of power. Um, come merge, yeah. but either way, that's really good for them. Hard to know exactly where the season's going, but enough foreshadowing is not indicating them getting wiped out or cracking or anything like that. So mm-hmm. really good that way. And yeah, Liana just is still I think has the more captivating relationship with Evie and and with Tiffany. Like again, as like we almost should do like uh like alliance chart kind of things, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you actually drew who talked about who, Liana actually has more connections here than Evie, even though Evie's clearly playing a more sophisticated and interesting game and is getting more content. We actually know more about where Liana sits, uh, which says a lot. Yeah. Uh any other thoughts here on Liana? No. Queen. Uh can't wait for uh, have a big episode next week. Uh, let's jump here to Tiffany. Joe, let me tell you a story of how uh, my life got flipped, turned upside down. Um, episode one, I think I had Tiffany, what, number one? Yes. And then episode two was <laughs> not good for Tiffany. Really, really bad, not good. Uh, and I dropped her, I think, to last, or pretty darn close to last. Uh, but I still thought she was going to be a losing finalist. Um oh. I believe, I think you are rewriting the script on episode two. If I remember, that was the one where you were conspira- conspiring that Tiffany was much more capable than she appeared. Oh, yeah, no, it was so bad. I mean, I definitely had Tiffany last place in episode two, but I think you were, you were to put it nicely, a little higher on Tiffany. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's That actually <laughs> is fair. I thought there was a lot of funky stuff going on there. Maybe there is. I don't know. Um, I actually think she might be kind of just a mixed bag of a person. But um, <laughs> Joe, I don't know what it is about Tiffany. I think Tiffany is a good candidate for what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Not high. Don't worry. She's not my number one. She's far from it. She's number four uh, on my list. And I, that might be a little high even for me. But I just wanted to kind of put on my chart that I'm confident, more confident in Tiffany than I have been in a while. And the reason for that is she's the one who says that line before. She's the one who says it doesn't matter. Uh, what what is the line? It, um, it's uh, it's all about not giving up. That's what matters. That's Tiffany yelling that three times. Um, yeah. Tiffany gets to talk about how united they are as a team. This is a very positive Tiffany. Also, all of um, you know, the early episode two even her faults are that she cares so much about being there. She wants to be there so badly. She's the one who got the I'm going to Fiji, and she hugs her husband on the uh, in the flashback scene. Like her whole story. Story, if we're really placing it is about caring so much being authentically yourself even if it's kind of inconvenient being quite matter of fact like she's not scared about doing badly in challenges um which i think is kind of the story um with the survivors ever been so survivor thing um it's hard but that doesn't mean that you have to vote out people just because they're not good at challenges or whatever um mm-hmm. i i don't know i i am Back on the Tiffany train, a little hesitant, mostly from the next time on. But I would not be surprised at all if Tiffany scoops up some jury votes and it's like a, this person was a mixed bag and was inspiring and maybe shouldn't have won is kind of where I think it's going. I think, okay, I have to collect my thoughts. I know, it's unexpected. Um. Okay, well, I was going to say something else, but I forgot it. So what I was going to lead with was, I think... If we have this Venn diagram, 
between our two reads on it. And Liana is sort of smack dab in the middle. Tiffany's like there. Like her edit is consistent, like across the board. Like she's present and we're getting her sort of viewpoint on things. Um, I remember what I wanted to say was that, yeah, Tiffany did struggle early on with challenges, but the narrative is almost starting to turn on that. And like we're seeing Tiffany succeed a lot in challenges, mm-hmm. like very capable. I think. I think, yeah, she also plays into these themes in an interesting way. Like, she's very much herself. And, yeah, it's not always the greatest. But for the most part, we are rooting for her. Um, I weirdly also have Tiffany fourth. I mean, it's a different sort of fourth than you do. But I think amidst this field of weird edits, I think it looks more consistent than a lot of people do. And I think maybe sometimes I value consistency too high. But it's just there and... I don't know. It doesn't feel bad all the time. So not on my like chart or anything. Still very down on her chances. But Tiffany is up there for me in terms of the whole cast. Yeah. Okay. That's actually wild. I thought you were going to have her like 18th or something. Um, 18th out of 14. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to factor in Nathan. You have to factor in a right. returnee. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so that's actually kind of cool. I'm glad that we're sort of on the same page-ish. I think it looks different. But yeah, like, that's the thing is when, when things look weird, you have to go back to the basics. You have to go back to, well, who's actually here every week? That's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who do they clearly care that you know their name and what they're about? And I mean, maybe number one on the board, number two on the, like the only other person who has that at this point is I, I, there's two. One is Shan, and then one is Deshaun are the only other two who are kind of in the seer, right? Actually, it's it's those four. Um, are the only characters who are checked in on every week. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think that's something definitely interesting. And I think looking at it now, I think we're not as different as we think. I think there's just a stark difference between being one person. And then I think a lot of the edits that sort of add up to what you're saying are, are the same for me. So yeah, Tiffany, Tiffany definitely fits in there, so... Yeah, I think I hyped this up like I was picturing like a, like, I don't know, like an Erica or a Danny or a Heather or whatever winning. And instead, I'm actually looking at people like Liana and Deshaun and Nasir and Tiffany, right? Like, that's sort of more what I'm looking at. And that's, I think, like, Tiffany is not a Natalie White, right? Like, Tiffany is much closer, like I've been saying, to Sandra than I think we've ever really seen before. And... Um, yeah, like, we keep in mind, we still have that, like, she's the pre-viver stuff. That's not came back up yet in any meaningful way. I think that she has plot armor until that's kind of reintroduced into the story. Okay, well, well, that's interesting because I... I will sort of uh, put this out there and let you stew on it until we get there. I think Tiffany might be my pick for next boot. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just have this gut feeling that that's sort of how Yasa is going to go next tribal. I feel like they're, I actually feel like Yasa is, this is four. They're four making the merge. Okay, well, we have to get to Uo, which we thought would never be the tribal council in this episode. So (laughs) I think Uo... I'm now of the opinion. I think Ua, we're going, they're about to sing. I think they're getting to two, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if Tiffany leaves next, I'm going to feel very stupid. So I hope she doesn't leave next. Um, but yeah, I just, 
back on the horse here with Tiffany, and I just think um, it ma- it matters that we we've been shown them so much because like they're mm-hmm. captivating for sure. Like Tiffany's a fun character. I don't know if she's like must see every week character necessarily <laughs> in the same way that the other folks that have been here every week are right. Like yeah, Tiffany is approaching the same level of visibility as Shan. She might even be more visible than Shan <laughs> on a on a broad scale. That's absurd. Shan is way more interesting, and I think that says something too. Um, I don't know. I am perplexed and interested by Tiffany, I think, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a season where there's so much about being who you actually are and being underestimated, and we've seen a journey already with Tiffany to go from a, even like Evie literally does a previously on that catches you up on tiffany being stuck on that stupid balance beam again to (laughs) immediately dominating that challenge you know what i mean like that's pretty darn good uh to go from even in this episode getting a a quick recount of how bad they were to being actually pretty good um i don't know could easily see this being a winner Mm -hmm. i feel like i thought there were some there were just some like weird inconsistencies with just how their story is being told but i can't think of them it's all in episode two and i guess here to just uh address that we've seen tiffany go off the rails as a decoy vote and i actually think at this point uh, we need to introduce a new um, edgic rule or whatever that winners are allowed to be contradicted if they're the decoy vote. Like, so many people sold Ben stock when um, he was bulldozing over Chrissy, but the whole end game of Triple H is how Ben's going home if he doesn't find an idol. How else do you show that, right? Like, they yeah. still want to, like, directive number one is make a good TV show episode. If the decoy vote is not seriously in danger, that's not very good TV. Um, you have to scratch it off if they're de- if they're getting the other votes. Mm-hmm. I think, thinking about it, my issues might stem more from episode three, where it's just this very, like, I want to get my way against Sydney, but it's also against Sydney who we'll get to is not a like positive character so i don't know yeah no she, uh, tiffany's an interesting one and i'm excited to see where her story moves forward on in in the future past next week please do not be the next vote please <laughs> um let's, sp- let's talk about a not interesting one <laughs> yeah okay so with xander we we flagged like the uh hey is danny only on the show when he matters and finds something mm-hmm. hey joe is xander only on the show when he when he matters and finds something like more so than danny yeah and like <laughs> egregiously so because they had an op like the bare minimum they could have done was when they get to that reward challenge and they reveal that brad went home like flash to xander because that's a huge thing for xander yeah. in this game instead like went to like nasir or something like it did not make any sense um so yeah xander there are four there are five people who i have like no chance of winning at all four of them are on luvu and then one is xander <laughs> and you don't think he would leave no i think i think it's getting flip-flopped and tiffany's going wow wow um i have no words uh <laughs> i i would refuse to live in this world but yeah no like xander it's so weird because i I mean, I think it's been a while anyway since we've seen the, hey, here's this huge character. They're in back-to-back episodes. Even Danny, it was like, oh, look, he's big. Now he's gone. But now he's kind of like a character again. Like, this is Xander's 
I would put it second invisible in a row. Mm -hmm. In the middle! It's so weird! (laughs) And I just, yeah, he's, I think he's probably last for me. Um, Yeah, like, give me Heather over Xander every day of the week this week. Um, It's it's tempting, but I have, I have Luvu issues, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. And, like, maybe I'd put Sydney or, like, maybe Erica, like, it's Xander, Sydney, and Erica hovering right there, there at, like, I would be genuinely shocked if they won. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody else is in the, like, if a time traveler came and told me, I'd be like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Um, those three are, are are in that contention for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what else there is to say, because, like, just so not present for someone who yeah. was so present in the first two episodes. Um, yeah. And it's, it's such an easy story to do, too, because you can easily be like, like, this is the story. I want to hear almost where it's like I'm on the bottom and I have literally no like mechanical recourse to do anything about it like yeah. I can just be voted out and I can't I can't even like yeah so they love that <laughs> stuff too like the Survivor loves the underdog trying to do anything they can to win he heroically like they literally are in last place because evie is swimming in the wrong direction and then he beasts the ring toss he saves his own survivor life (laughs) and you're right like wow brad got voted out and last week we devoted so much of our episode to hmm i wonder what that means now does does sander just never get to vote again like like what are what's going on here like there's so much intrigue nothing mm-hmm. apparently that's the case yeah like you'd think like like even if you don't like xander you'd almost think that's a necessary content like in the same way that we're saying so much of this ep- this show has been like stuff that has to happen i feel like we didn't get a scene that had to happen about xander mm-hmm. just to explain the how the game works and we don't have that so um yeah and i think like episode one i was definitely like is xander exceeded expectations for me as a character and i'm sure like i'd love to see xander's viewpoint on this i think it'd be interesting but nope we get nothing yeah i think xander's our merge vote or merge boot sorry um that to me just makes so much sense like there's something going on with him like they want us to know who he is we want us to know his faults right they want us to know he's too open with his secrets and evie has dismantled his reputation mm-hmm. that to me just kind of reads merge vote merge boot mm. that would be my prediction i think i guess on that note joe when are we merging because i don't think we're getting a swap yeah i don't think so um hmm. well it's okay so they hmm. let's say production had integrity and they didn't like switch anything up like they would have to do something after this next vote like they i would have thought they would have to do something before this next vote because you could have a tribe down at two people at this point mm-hmm and so were they really going for a Stephanie and Bobby like type of thing? They got close. But yeah, I think it's probably at 12. And I think it's just straight into merge. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And we're at, what, 13 going into this episode. So we have one boot. I mean, next week could even be a double boot. And then we're at 11. That could even make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think 12, 12 or 11. And either way, I don't think that's conducive at all to a swap. That would be horrible if there's just a swap for one vote or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm at the point in the season where I'm just going to be like, yeah, the, the merge is next episode, or yeah. like the episode after next. So. I think that's where I am at too. And so I've been trying to think about who our, um, like, the last preacher would be um a lot but yeah i don't know poor xander i don't actually think it's him i think he's gonna sneak his way into the merge and so is tiffany 
and that brings us to our Luvu tribe. And Joe, I mean, last week I posed the thought experiment. What happens if we get an episode all about Luvu? And we kind of did. I would say no. (laughs) And I I just sort of have like a thesis that has sort of really been my biggest like sort of shift in how I'm using the season. But if you look at Luvu and the content they have gotten, it's like this bizarre carousel of how do you vote someone out in the pre-merge? Here's like 10 different ways to do it. Because like we've seen Nis like Danny and Deshaun go idol hunting and Nasir targets him for it. Nasir is playing too hard and people target him for it. Um, Nasir needs to be kept because he's a physical commodity. And then this episode, you get Erica's too sneaky, so she needs to go. Sydney's too wild and crazy, so she needs to go. Weirdly, like the person who has escaped, like the first boot is the like 52 year old woman heather who like failed the reward challenge today oh yeah. excuse me you can't fail if you give 100 percent effort so i'm sorry heather but it's just this bizarre like inconsistent everyone's a target um and i just i mean we talk about complex tribes but like luvu is the anti-complex tribe in that they are never consistent from one episode to another The threads don't really attach. And it's really just honestly lowered my chances on all of them. Like, it really is hard to see a world where someone from Luvu wins. And I think if someone does, that really does feel like a failing of these first four episodes. Is that even even my highest contender from this, like, it wasn't consistent enough for me to really believe in them. So that's where i'm at with luvu that's why i have four of them down at the bottom next to xander so yeah i think that's actually a pretty good take i think (laughs) to play devil's advocate for a little bit i think we've seen maybe it's just a tribe that changes a lot but also um i think that there is an element here uh sort of the forecasted what deshaun says right if we don't throw this challenge we're gonna go six and we're just gonna be sitting ducks at the merge game picked off one by one what happened like i've been trying to think about what that what that looks like because i don't know if we've really seen it before when a tribe gets kind of reverse pagonged and then the winners from that tribe like if abby maria won philippines what does that season look like um it's hard to know we know what that thing looks like when the small tribe wins there but what happens when that pickoff is the end um i have this sort of pet theory like what if luvu's the final six or something like what if this isn't philippines what if this is palau where you almost get two seasons of survivor and palau you get one uh, the story of how Stephanie and Bobby John make it to the end, and they're given these heroic winner-style pieces of content. Um, but then it's just, oh, the season restarts, and it's uh, the other tribe's turn now. What what if that's what we're seeing? Uh, that would be, like, the most Brant Steelist thing ever, which it's also just like a pagonging, which is where we're at Survivor now. Um but well, they're gonna be the f- like they're at 13 now and there's six of them <laughs> if they win this next challenge they're six at 12. do i think they'll stick no do i think what i'm saying is gonna happen honestly not really i actually do think we're gonna see them get picked off um but i think it'd be kind of fun if they somehow scramble into being the final six or whatever yeah yeah that would be fun because they they kind of do give like kasaya vibes where yeah. they're they're so dysfunctional yet they keep winning so i don't know we shall see we shall see i guess let's jump here 
into Danny, who, I mean, I guess, Joe, was this a good or bad episode if you are Danny's extended family? Like, if you're wanting, you know, maybe a new boat or something, uh, do you think that you've increased your chance at getting a new boat from Danny or decreased your chance from getting a new boat from Danny? I think, I think it was a good episode. That being said, I think Danny might be the person we disagree most on because I, I cannot get over two and three. Like, he is truly beyond saving for me. He's still firmly at the bottom of my list. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a bad take at all. I am, he's just a weird one for me. Mm -hmm. Um... I think partly because I actually just really like him. Um, I think I just have a bias where I'm like, I, I kind of enjoy the content he's, he's delivering. That said, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very high on him either. Um, okay. <laughs> and I, I think I'm quite high on him as a player in this season. I, I, I think he's going pretty far. Um, but I've thought about it and I've really weighed back and forth on whether this was a good episode or not. I think it's a good episode because he's here now. Um, but I think it's bad that he, we see him concede on his belief on throwing. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And I think he gets that he's the most supportive of Heather and her failure, and that just sort of adds to the contradiction where yeah. he's really supporting Heather for one thing and then doing something that's the opposite in another. So, yeah, maybe you're right. This wasn't... I mean, if you needed an episode to rescue Danny, this wasn't the best. Maybe that's why he stayed so low. Yeah, Danny's just... I don't know. He's really great. I think he's interesting. I think it's clear at this point he is Deshaun's sidekick. Still don't really get why they made episode one like that, but um, it's not the other way that we kind of expected. Um, I and, just don't, I don't know if their relationship really matters at all. Right. No, it's almost like um, Ben and Alan Ball, like where, like, I don't know if you remember Triple H, but Ben and Alan Ball had this like amazing relationship where they were super tight. Um, mm -hmm. And then <laughs> the Alan Ball gets voted off of the swap tribe and they never see each other again <laughs> yeah. um that's kind of the the vibe here except for their their danny's obviously seems like he's a he's a competent good player um so yeah i don't know i i'm excited to see where he goes moving forward um i feel like he's a long-term character like no chance danny leaves before the merge i don't think yeah i don't think should luvu go to tribal that he's going home no because even for all like you're saying like this carousel of different first vote edits like other than the very start danny has almost none of that like yeah. danny's actually danny and deshaun are the two who are kind of safe yeah and it's clear they're running the tribe like like if you're gonna take anything from luvu it's clear they have everybody mm -hmm. mostly deshaun has everybody but i still think we see that you know danny and deshaun are an important duo um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, again, I think he still could be on track to be the best professional athlete. Um, I, I do think he's going to continue to be more relevant, actually. I think he's not a main character, really, but I think he's, he's on the, uh, outside of that, but not too far. And I, I do think he's going to, um... Continue to kind of be a good guy, and probably his story is about figuring out where Danny's relationship to, like, being sneaky lies. I think... I think his story will get cut short. Yes. Like, not before the merge. I think it'll get cut short before it gets to develop that. 
I I really like my comparison to like a John Hennigan, mm-hmm. where in a world where Luvu is just picked off, he just seems like a really easy contender to just sort of go by the wayside. And I think he's gonna get betrayed. I think we're going to get a like I'm trying to think of a good example. John Hennigan might be a good one where it's just because yeah, it kind of is that right where John is close to Christian. But they still find each other on different sides, and the Davids make their move on John. Mm-hmm. I could see that kind of being Danny, where he is like maybe he's forced to make a choice between a cutthroat move and a kind move, and he picks the wrong one and, and therefore leaves. I think is is quite likely. Um, I just I think that there's a reason we got him talking about not wanting to throw here. Um, like I think it'd be a lot easier if you got rid of that part to make this episode better actually it, it stands out that he doesn't want mm-hmm. to throw mm. but does it anyway you know what i mean like you get that confessional going into the commercial break you come back and he's like yeah so deshaun and i decided to throw <laughs> and you're like what yeah i think <laughs> whiplash. He, he could also be a contender for the merge boot yeah i can see it for sure for sure Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that brings us here to Deshaun, who, I guess, Joe, what are your thoughts on Deshaun? Mm-hmm. I think, okay, so I think I always sort of favor Deshaun when I go to, like, look at my winner contenders because he's been present across all the episodes. But then when I think about it, I feel like there's all these, like, loose threads that aren't being taken care of. Like, I still think it's weird that there's the Evie scene at the summit, which Evie gives him information about the idea and talks about Xander leaving and Deshaun touched on neither of those over the course of these next few episodes which Luvu's still in the dark on idols who knows if they're still active but it doesn't matter because Luvu apparently never found their beware advantage um and just yeah I think there's little holes here and there where Deshaun is an important character but not actually going to win sort of it does feel kind of similar to Evie honestly interesting so I have Deshaun number three again the biggest issue is that he is on Luvu which <laughs> is I think pretty transparently not the complex tribe there's and also, as... I guess I want to jump in and say there's mm-hmm. also an issue of the complex tribe here is weird because if it's Yasa or Ua which I think we would tend to say they're so sm- so much smaller now. Like, mm-hmm. Ua's literally half its size, um, and Yasa, like, too. Like, what is complexity of the characters you want to apply it to? Many of them won't matter in the merge. Like, I think this is a, maybe the weirdest season for a complex tribe theory. And I feel like I'm always the one who's like, ah, but to beware, it might not be complex tribe theory this season. And then it is. But this one just feels weird to me. As I as I just denounced Luvu like five minutes ago, but right. it it just feels weird in some weird way. Yeah, and I actually think I'm sort of with you there, and I'm actually generally the person that is very pro complex tribe theory, right? I am uh, always kind of just looking for that part of it, and I agree there is something weird going on here. Um, and I don't actually like. I think that you see some takes online that are like they've abandoned complex tribe theory and i just new style of editing they're tricking magic or i really don't think that's it at all i mean first off they don't really like they aren't saying okay complex tribe theory yeah, exactly so, yeah that's the winner's tribe look good like they're doing things to build up the winner's edit and 
give good scenes, but it's not like it just naturally sort of turns into this complex tribe theory as opposed to it's a tenet of their editing. Exactly. Like a hundred percent that it's that to me, those kind of criticisms misunderstand what we're doing here, right? Like mm -hmm. we're not trying to figure out their code that they're secretly telling us. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like that style of um, thinking makes it as seem as if the editors are in there crafting a puzzle for us to solve. When like, really, we're more just looking at how you tell a story. They make the edict chart in advance and then they're like, okay, let's fit the scenes to match this. Yeah, <laughs> which is not how it happens, right? Like, what happens is they... They may even have the script of the confessionals out and they'll they'll do storyboards, that sort of thing to see how to fit the stories together that, to make sense. Stories both being what we talk about with themes and stuff, but also like JD is annoying his tribe. He, they lose the challenge. Uh, JD talks to Shan. Uh, Shan wants his vote steal. Like, and, and they're crafting how to tell that episode, right? Mm -hmm. In that, they're gonna be like, hmm, what's, we know who won, who's, how, how are they doing right now? Uh, okay, cool, let's talk about that. Like, just so that it makes sense. Like, it's not this elaborate Rubik's Cube, it's, it's, it's a story. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't actually think it's, they've abandoned this concept. I think what we might actually be seeing is, well, what happens when you get to emerge and these tribe dynamics don't really matter because mm -hmm. there's three people on two of the tribes and six on the other and the six isn't united. So it's just a bunch of little groups. That's uh, where I think we're getting uh, to. And one of those groups might be the Yasa tribe, mm -hmm. but I think that's it. I think other than that, I think we're actually getting um, what like trust clusters or whatever i, yeah, I, I think that's say. actually more what we're what we're eyeing up here uh can't forget trust clusters yeah but then to go back well i don't know if you have something else to say but i'm gonna oh, go back no. to deshaun that makes it all the weirder that there's not this focus on evie and deshaun at all in the edit in terms of him winning because that seems really important if it goes back to trust clusters but it's so oh, joe what if the merge episode and this is almost what I'm picturing, honestly. Uh, smash cut to Evie. Evie is the new Jeff Probst and is like, Previously on Survivor, I got to hang out with Deshaun. And we were out there on an island and we formed this final two alliance. I told him about Xander. Xander's still here. Time to boot him. I could literally see that scene happening, including Evie narrating the previously on again. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I wanted to be touched on earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I just, I can't, like, what if it doesn't really matter to Deshaun right now? That's true. I mean, that's sort of because Luvu doesn't actually matter, especially yeah. if they make it to the merge hole, so. That's the thing is, complex tribe theory matters because where the winner is matters. The situations around them matters. If, because, usually, who they're on a tribe with, if you watch the average Survivor season, it's like, who they're with informs their future, right? So, um... Like, what's a good example? Um, like, uh, you know, Tony. You learn so much about who Tony is by how he treats Cliff. Uh, rest in peace. But he wants to be the top dog more than anything. So when he sees Wu and Cliff on a boat, he's like, no, 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 no. I want to take control of that. I'm going to use my complex relationship here with Sarah to do that. It matters because it tells you everything you need to know about who Tony is. His foils are all the people who are there. If the winner's foils are actually on different tribes, it doesn't matter that much. And it's like, like oftentimes in Survivor, 
winners are, are people who played it, it, like the end game is dominated also by people they were on a tribe with is a big thing if that doesn't mm-hmm. happen if deshaun's the only luvu in the final six because they're picked off one by one that's actually really good for deshaun mm. i guess that's kind of where i'm getting at mm-hmm. is if they're just picked off that's actually fine for the last one and you didn't really need more development because who he's going to be bouncing off of is other people mm-hmm. yeah but- i'm kind of i'm curious I'm just thinking about Philippines because you had Tanding, which never went to tribal before the pre-merge, how they were edited and like, not well, not well. But I remember because that season's an interesting one for Edget because it was kind of spoiled. Like you knew who the final three were. So people were constantly alternating between like Denise, Lisa and Scoopin. Like, I don't know if that influenced it where they just had these three and were sort of able to focus on them as a opposed to looking at any sort of complex tribe theory but i feel like tandang got some stuff though like you very much knew who each of those six people were you did but what i feel like so much of tandang was um like you know like people being goofy you know like you get the coconut throwing scene and like that sort of thing like it was a it was a goofy tribe like they were edited like kind of not the brightest mm-hmm. hmm. to me that sounds like luvu though <laughs> yeah no i think yeah like, you might be right i just think that like, even like like that's where you get like like i don't know like i just think that i mean i guess with lisa you actually did get a decent amount of complexity right like i think lisa actually was bouncing off in an interesting way um but like you did get like abby maria is like the opposite of complexity right like everything about abby maria's edit throwing the coconuts that scoop in and uh even like uh rc and abby maria's kind of rivalry going on like all of that is not particularly conducive to being complex um but yeah i don't know that's the thing is if deshaun for example is just basically a yasa member because he flips over to evie i would 100 percent am on board with him being a winner like i think that's very possible it just depends a little bit how his future shapes up yeah for sure um and to me the reason i'm considering deshaun is no surprise it's he's one of the four people who's been in every episode in a meaningful way um this was a really good one like he gets to narrate over the challenge in a positive way he's the one who convinces danny to throw i don't think it looks bad that they failed to be honest like i think that's fine for deshaun like again he was kind of in on the joke um and we get to see he's dominating his tribe mm-hmm. yeah that's fair add in the yeah. fact that he's one of the few people we do have personal content with we know why he's there uh we know what he wants out of the game and how he wants to play Again, not many people have that. So to me, uh, I have our boy Deshaun here at number three. It feels a little wrong again because he's on the wrong tribe. Um, but I have two people from this tribe fairly high and the rest are literally scraping the bottom. So uh, yeah, that's basically my take there. Yeah, I think for what it's worth, we have the same two people fairly yes. high. So they're definitely the ones to watch. I'm just, just in a state of like luvu pessimism so yeah i think that's totally fine totally makes sense um and 
Either way, Deshaun is absolutely a power player. I actually think he's roughly on the same level as a Evie or Shan in terms of power. I think they've been, I think Shan and Evie are probably like, he's getting the, the bronze medal right now in terms of characters who have been given power and like agency in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Perfect. Um. So yeah, I think that's good for uh, Deshaun. Let's jump to queen of the world, Erica. <laughs> who I thought was so fun in this episode, Joe. Really worried for her. Um, it seems like <laughs> seems like she really screwed up. Um, but she didn't leave, and I don't know. I I, I enjoyed her. I thought that scene with her in the boat was awesome. Like her being like, "I'm actually a lion," was great. That's the Erica I was picking. I don't know. I'm a little worried that if they go, it'll just be Erica. Like maybe they try to throw again and it works this time. Yeah. Or maybe they try to throw again and, and they fail again. I kind of think that might happen. <laughs> yeah. I think, I know we just talked about how like the editors don't have these like great machinations when they sit down to make Survivor, but it almost feels like Erica was kind of like a Natalie White joke. Where, like, we have these episodes of silence, and then you get this confessional that's like, I've been playing it quiet, but I'm so much more than that. And you're like, oh, gosh, this is it. This is what we're waiting for. And then it's immediately like, no, she's sneaky. We gotta get rid of her. And, and yeah. So I think out of our two people who sort of appeared from nowhere, she's the actual, like, lower of the two in terms of winning. Yeah. The only thing in her favor and i like if you are a buyer of this conspiracy theory i'm not but it's one that popped into my head the first time i watched deshaun has a confessional and there's something really weird going on with deshaun and so uh, sorry erica but i'm going to talk about deshaun in your moment so in episode two we get nasir say he's gonna practice fire every day till the final four or whatever right and he can't do it um and then in this episode Deshaun says that Erica needs to go because he's really worried she's going to vanish and then show up at the end and cut him and like, you know, uh, ride to the end game. There's a lot there on Deshaun getting robbed at the end. Um, like those, those two things are kind of the same story being told. And I personally think that that's just somebody's going to do it. It's not Erica, but it's not bad that Erica has been placed in these specific moments, has been presented as a foil to the most important character on this tribe in Deshaun, even without getting all the content. So if you want to really convince yourself of an Erica domination or like, you know, sneak victory at the end by cutting Deshaun, I think the evidence is there. I just don't believe it. I also have her pretty much right near the bottom. I like that more for like, Deshaun being cut at the end. I think that's yes. a, like a second piece of evidence because we talked about like, oh, this fire scene is Deshaun losing fire. And I was just like, that happens to people. But then this is sort of like, oh, we're sort of seeing the legs for Deshaun to be a big character, but maybe he gets cut at the end and doesn't quite make it. Yeah, no, that's kind of where I'm leaning, honestly. And it's just right now I'm in a state of flux where all these people that I think are right there in the end game, for sure, like one of them's the winner you know what i mean it's just which one um i think deshaun is far and away my pick for like fire maker finale loser it's you know in that because i don't think the fire maker necessarily exists i think that area does and i think that's very likely to be deshaun that just also gives him a lot of chance at winning it's just mm. can, can he move beyond there and uh, we're talking about erica can it be erica 
be the the <laughs> the the lion in sheep's clothing. Probably not because she's already been exposed. But yeah, she has a really long way to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor Erica. Um, mm. I'm trying to think of anything else that's like, yeah, she doesn't even have like much connection to the stories and stuff. Unfortunately, like mm-hmm. that said, I don't know, Joe. Do you think like I don't think she's leaving next? Personally, I think I think she's scraping her way kind of far. I think, I mean, if Luvu goes, I think Erica goes. Yes. Uh, but you know me, I think Tiffany is going, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty convinced it's Green going again. Yes. But yeah, we'll get there. Um. So yeah, any other thoughts here on it, Erica? Uh, not really. Sorry, Queen. Um, you're still winning. Please just make it far so I like at least get some like longevity points. I think I picked Erica first in every single draft I was in. <laughs> so like, just please, <laughs> please scrape your way. Um, loose to Deshaun and fire making. That would be great. Uh, that that'll get me some points and stuff. Uh, other than that, uh, let's move here to Heather. She did it. She had an episode. And, like, kind of what we were saying, like, uh, last week, like, would you take Heather or Danny? I'd still take Heather. I'd still take Heather over a lot of people. I don't think she's winning. She's the highest of the four Loluvu. Like, I could just, I could see something emerging from there. Like, this, this moment was not presented in a bad light at all. Like, we were very much meant to root for Heather and sympathize with her, and she didn't give up. So, it's just really hard to imagine her path to the end and getting votes. Like, even under the specter of, oh, it's not the best strategist, but just someone there. Like, even Heather doesn't really fit into that. Yes. Yeah, like, if there's literally a natalie white it's heather right like (laughs) invisible 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 big episode that's kind of inspiring like okay yeah but i I, i'd be shocked um and i don't know i just i don't really see it that said great episode for her i've also noticed that like like erica says kind of like oh heather could potentially be the easy vote but i just felt so bad for her she wouldn't go kind of thing you know like they remind us that actually she's safe yeah um like i said heather's in a weirdly good spot on levu yeah we're like (laughs) it doesn't feel like anyone's coming straight for her especially on a tribe that's willing to now throw challenges like you don't want to get rid of Heather. she doesn't even have to sit them out anymore yeah right like if they threw and got rid of erica she heather would be in your immunity challenge one thing that i thought was really interesting uh i meant to bring this up earlier is is this the first time we've heard on survivor that the contestants don't care about winning reward challenges like when heather's (laughs) crying erica walks up to her and says it's just a reward challenge it's sydney which is so sydney of her to say like it's like very silly though because it it sort of is like in a way saying like you're lucky it wasn't a challenge because yeah. you're going home but but yeah that was yeah interesting yeah like that felt very meta like normally they present these things like oh they'll do anything for peanut butter they'll <laughs> but like this is don't worry it's just a, just a reward challenge who cares uh not very the most survivor of all survivors or whatever of them eh? yeah very much that like weird to have it on this season yeah it, it was kind of out of place uh some other things about heather that are kind of fun um if you told me heather the name was heather probst and she was he- uh jeff probst's like sister i'd believe you i think they look uncannily similar uh like a family resemblance wise 
I, I don't see it. I, I saw it big time this week. I'm like, they're related. I know it. I know my fun fact was like, Heather is seven years younger than Jeff. Oh my god, like, really? This really speaks to Jeff. Like, how is he 59? <laughs> what is life? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. No, I take Jeff being seven years younger than Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wow. That's wild. I was um, like, Heather and Jeff, like, I know Jeff looks really good for his age, but they're probably around the same age. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a long time. Seven years is like a good one tenth of a lifespan ish. Um, so yeah, wild. Um, that said, I mean, if my kind of conspiracy theory is to its natural conclusion, I could see a world where she just. I think that's not gonna happen again. Like the actual invisible style. Like I, I could. I think they would go back to the well on like a Sophie. Like I think that's still kind of viable. Yeah. Like. Sophie was on the episode every week for the most part. So I'm really hesitant for like an actual invisible style winner. Um, For sure. And honestly, I think there's other people like the next person we'll talk about in this year, I think is way more close to that. Yeah. I think my outlook for Heather is like early merge to like maybe that like first finale boot. Like Heather is our family boot, Joe. Lock it in. I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, well, okay, yeah, I I get it. I could see that. It's like the inspiring. Like you're gonna be cry. Like the like I don't know. Like my mom always tells me she cries during the family boot episode. Like when all the family mm-hmm. members come out and stuff. And I feel like we're going to get like Heather be like, I didn't give up and I'm still here and um, I'm really proud of myself and that's what Survivor's about. I've been watching it forever and it's like a one song into the sunset yeah yeah i actually think that's fair i think my like first finale boot is like hopeful thinking like yeah because it's a very nice like oh you did a good job heather but gotta make way for the big characters of the finale yeah and i mean not for nothing she could also make her 75 grand or whatever like i, I if you told me heather's a losing finalist i don't think i would bat an eye there yeah tragic though I wouldn't want to see Heather lose. Yeah, like, I, I'm it. frankly sick of the... They're older women, therefore they get no votes. Like, mm-hmm. very annoying at this point. Um, it was interesting that she acknowledged that. Like, in her yeah. confessional, she's like, as a 52-year-old woman, I'm already disadvantaged on Survivor. So, yeah. like, she knows where she stands. I just don't know if she's actually doing anything about it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, she doesn't need to. <laughs> she's just like, okay, Lubu, do what you do. Yeah, not for nothing, she's probably playing pretty well well for being like that bad like and she's not really in any danger that's pretty good like in terms (laughs) of challenges like really quite atrocious in that challenge but Mm -hmm. um they liked her they supported her they um that's what survivor's about is being vulnerable and letting us watch so Mm -hmm. um i think she'll continue to maybe be a good like um theme bearer sort of for these sort of things so i don't know she's somebody to keep an eye on like if it continues to look like oh real losing fine like um why somebody lost season and she's still in the mix at the end like i'd be a little scared to not consider her um Mm -hmm. i just don't know if she's gonna make it that far is more my issue yeah cool 
Uh, so let's jump to our boy Nasir. Nasir to the moon, Joe. I really think you've picked something brilliant out of episode one. And I don't know if he poisoned my brain. I have him number two right now. Um, not one I'm confident in, but basically, I guess my take is in a season all about how hard it is, how actually being a provider might, might be valuable, how this is the most difficult season, uh, how the winner might not be the great strategist. Nasir still kind of seems like he has no idea what's going on. He wasn't included at all in the throwing, clearly, because he's beasting the freaking challenge. Like... <laughs> Nasir single-handedly wins this challenge and has and is in no danger and has no idea what's going on. You know what I mean? Like he is in this weird limbo state on Luvu, uh, where he's not in the majority, but he's not in danger. Mm-hmm. He's been checked in on in a meaningful way every week. Like, again, not many people have that. And I think you could some and he got so much second person visibility in this episode that he didn't really talk. But, like, Deshaun has this amazing confessional where he's like, yo, Nasir's the greatest guy in the world. He was on fire in this challenge, and I really didn't want him to do well. But, like, Nasir's such a good dude that, like, I'm glad he got his moment. I just wish it wasn't right now. Mm-hmm. So, I think that plays twofold. I think, one, it shows, hey, look, Nasir's actually pretty great. Awesome. It also shows Nasir as a little bit of a spoiler um, in terms of, like, disrupting things. Like, he would be a shit-stirrer, you could say, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they're wanting this result, and everything's lined up. The two big athletic guys on the tribe are throwing the challenge. They've got all the things lining up. He's walking slow. And then Nasir comes in out of nowhere and wins it for them on his own. That, uh, maybe too metaphorical, could be what this season looks like at the end, too. Yeah, possibly. I, yeah, I agree that he's been checked in on. This episode was kind of the trickiest in that we didn't really get, like, direct nasir content and i think it did lower me just a bit but you're right in that there was still this focus because there almost had to be of him (laughs) winning the challenge for luvu so i don't think it was the worst i think it's just some of those trepidations with like luvu in general it sort of bumped him off my contenders list but he's still number three yeah and like the weird thing is we really have not got the comedy winner in a very long time like Mm -hmm. The last one was Fabio. Before that was Bob. Like, I see the comparisons to Bob. Big time. I kind of see the comparisons to Fabio. Um, He just needs to tell us what his game strategy is. If he has any. Because Bob had it less so than Fabio. But Fabio got to tell us what he thought and how he how he thought, even if we did have to laugh at him a little bit. Um, Nasir's just missing what his defining game strategy is. Um, but everything else is really good. He hits the themes. I think he's a long-term player. He gets good second-person visibility. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see where it goes. I, I also don't think he's going before Merge now, so... And yeah, I think and- he does have that potential to be a spoiler and, like, get in there deeper than he should, whether that's just a little deeper or all the way to the end, but... Right. And, like, he's somebody that you can justify winning, I think. Like, and we have, like, all sides of him, too. And I don't think there's been, like, a necessarily a contradiction like we've seen sydney shift on him mm-hmm. and but i feel like it's consistent you you understand who this person is and it's not in a way that you're like ooh. like i don't think this is any more of a con- contradiction than we saw from a nick or a ben um it's just like 
he's a kind of a complicated figure because he doesn't really know what he's he's not the best strategist um he just gets worked up a little bit also i think it's fine to have um like this moment where like this challenge is narrated right so this is almost more of a camp life scene and he has two huge moments in there like yeah he does have like when he's throwing the blocks in and danny's like yeah i wasn't even touching them and he's just like like Danny makes like a like a growling sound and it's Nasir oh, yeah. it slow it zooms in on Nasir and slow mo's as the sound plays as he's mm-hmm. like whipping those blocks through that's special focus to me that's uh, a very yeah. very careful careful attention yeah for sure but yeah I, I mean i don't it's so weird because i feel like often you're looking for like good player that kind of thing i just i feel like there's a chance somebody thinks he's a goat and he's not or he he keith kneels his way to the end like mm-hmm. There's an alternate version um, that's not too difficult to see of San Juan del Sur where Keith Nail wins it, right? If Keith Nail wins that last challenge, he's the winner. And what does that season look like? Probably kind of like how Nasir is right now. You make Keith really likable and you soft, soft, soften off a little bit of his confused edges. Well, I mean, even in that season, like... Keith was enough of a contender to to be there, which is interesting if you think of what we were talking about last week with the sort of San Juan del Sur comparisons. Like, are they just doing that with Nasir to sort of shape him up as a contender in the same way? Um, or is like, could like... he be literally Keith Nail? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, possible. Hmm. I could definitely like. I actually think I'm going to call that Nasir wins. This is my hot take. This year's gonna win the most immunity challenges in this season. I could see that. And he's I gonna go on a run. Definitely at least like one or two. I mean, obviously if he wins the most, he has to win more than that. But like, yeah, I could see him winning some early ones for sure. Yeah, and that could be all it is, right? Like I I do think you see sometimes it's like, oh, this person's unstoppable. And then they win two challenges and they're the next vote or whatever. But um <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think something like that's like they're going to want to vote out Nasir and then something is going to make it really difficult to do. And he's going to, he's, he's, he's like, um, the not yet dead guy in, uh, Monty Python is almost what I'm picturing. And I could see a world where that translates to a winner. That's how I'm almost picturing Nasir's story. He's going to get in a lot of danger and then kind of buffoon himself into being safe. Yeah. That's Nasir. Um, I really like him too. Like, I think he's, uh, very charming. I thought he was very, very funny in the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, very good. That brings us to Sydney, who I think had a star-making turn, Joe. I <laughs> loved Sydney in this episode. I uh, was living for it. Uh, she calls herself the threat of all threats. Like, <laughs> so good. Um, Sydney's casting gold. Um, I am worried for her. Yeah, um, where, where do you have her on your contenders list? <laughs> oh, not high. Not high. Like She's currently rocking last place. She's yeah. like the loser of all losers. It would be... I mean, I wish we lived in the world where Sydney could win. Uh, where, like, like, imagine it's just, yeah, I'm the threat of all threats. Uh, they hate me because they ate me. And she just dominates. That would be awesome. Not even Boss and Rob really got that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Boss and Rob still had to have all this content about how Francesca was going to be his undoing if he didn't get rid of her. And that was an issue and all that sort of thing um like it's just weird how the confessional was like presented she said all of this which was amazing but it's against like erica wanting to vote her out (laughs) like just erica 
Like, I don't know if other people were in on it that we didn't see, but yeah, what a... Ah, like, Sydney's big, like, you slight her at all and she's gonna burn down your house. Like, that's the that's the energy she gives, which I'm so here for. I love that. I've, I honestly relate a lot to Sydney. Like, if anybody were was, like, kind of trashing me like Erica was, I would be, like, fuming. I love that kind of compulsion. Cast more Sydney's. I just, I don't think she's gonna make it too far even really yeah she seems like an easy one to go either i mean next i still think it could turn on her weirdly or like early on just like if they're working against luvu like get that sort of out of there quickly and you sort of remove a big power player there right like if anybody's gonna like president sarah it up it's gonna be sydney at the merge like yeah i think that's very possible like um just sydney goes in there at the merge and it's like i'm the threat of all threats i'm the queen of this island um move over troisan this is my island and like a quick uh, undoing there i think like a merge boot is very very likely um she's just an easy she's an obstacle she's not even a boss she's just like a obstacle to kind of turn over at some point yeah yeah it's very easy to see her almost after all the disdain she's had for luvu trying to rally them together at the merge and then being like no <laughs> just moving her out yeah i mean props to her though that deshaun ratted erica out like she's mm-hmm. clearly doing something on this beach yeah. where deshaun gets is clearly getting information from everybody and he's actually picking sydney that means something yeah to yeah dispense that information to um yeah i mean it's and yeah like the other thing that's interesting is like we've seen like erica describes her as like unstable kind of thing like uh, unreliable Mm -hmm. i don't know if we really seen that like i feel like we do have kind of a clear picture of who sydney is and i feel like we get more like free spirit vengeful than she is completely nonsensical or loopy i think i think erica's words played nicely with what we saw of her where she's just like threw down the machete and went to the beach and just cried like right and that's if a really any, a, yeah. whether it's the truth or not it's a really effective scene that really backs up what erica was saying so it is cool that that seems to actually be the moment like erica's like huh i was like a little bit shaky on sydney but seeing her do that i can't work with that like that, i feel like that's something i would do where i uh you take a moment that's not game and you're like oh that person's gonna not have the best reaction if we do anything against them mm-hmm. they could flip on us i i really liked that instinct um and sydney is absolutely if heather's the flag bearer of uh you know it's not giving up important sydney's the opposite <laughs> sydney is the one who gets the they get annoyed slightly and they give up and start crying yeah, her her juxtaposition to that too was also interesting. Yeah, like she's headed hard against the themes. Like she is bouncing right off of them. Uh, and she's actually kind of being used as, look, this is what you don't do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Luvu. Uh, any any takeaways on Luvu? It's an interesting tribe to watch. I I find myself want, wishing we had more to just put it together. And I really like the characters here. Agreed. So I hope I hope your conspiracy theory of like Luvu Final Six comes true because I think that could be wild. I think that could be pretty fun. Like I think that. Um, I mean, realistically, like, I think it sounds more fun than the episodes we'd get getting there would actually be. Like, mm-hmm. if it's just literally all the other, tri- like, if it's just a Pagonging, probably actually not that fun. 
But uh, you can picture a world where that would be a fun one episode finale or whatever. Um, yeah. Cool. So that's Salubu. So I guess that here brings us to the good old Ua tribe. And what an episode. I love this tribe. I'm really sad to see JD go. Um, I think this was the episode where I was actually the most invested in him, I think. Like, he was... I thought pretty interesting here. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sad to see him go, but excited to hear to talk about these three. Mm-hmm. And him, of course, later. But yeah, yeah, this was the tribe we thought, like, no chance this tribe is going to triple again. And here we were. And then also, I think we both definitely thought JD was a long-term character. So there's a yeah. lot to unpack there, too. But first, we have to start with the Machini herself, Genie Machine. Big episode for Genie. Um, like really big episode for Jeannie. Mm-hmm. She was all over this episode. Um, and it's weird. Like, honestly, this one actually got me. I thought for sure Jeannie was going. Um, and I was really, really surprised she didn't. I'm not uh, fully confident why she didn't go. Um, but my, I guess, general thought would be she was never going, I guess, is I, I think what would make the most sense. Um, and maybe just Jeannie is just really close to Shannon Ricard. But uh, yeah, I mean, I really do think Jeannie's leaving and following JD right out the door next week. I think we're going to get just Ricard and Shan emerge from this tribe. I could definitely see it. Like, I don't know, Genie is a really hard one to place for me. And, like, that, yeah, that last pre-merge boot does fit. But, like, also I could just see her sort of biding time in the merge, too. So Well, I mean, okay, so to flash back to episode one, Joe, um, and I think I flagged this two episodes ago. I was like, well, what if all the people who got the intros in episode one are the pre-merge? And Joe, I think we're getting pretty darn close to that being a possibility. Um, JD's gone. He had one. Brad's gone. He had one. Voce's gone. He had one. That's back to back to back to back. I think we're left with like Tiffany and, well, Tiffany, Jeannie, and Ricard. Yeah. So it's too many unless there's many more pre-merge episodes than we think right Um, i guess i'm not saying all of them would leave but like if genie left it's like okay so four of them were the pre-merge and and sarah had one too right um i guess no she just talked about you know yeah similar development there but yeah yeah. like i mean Mm, yeah there's there's that i mean obviously if ua does go she is going i just mm, yeah it's, it's possible i don't know talk me i i have genie weirdly high And I don't know if I'm, like, just being, like, weird and, like, the rest of the contenders are kind of murky. But, like, I don't know. Jeannie's edit is kind of, like, consistent to who she is, at least. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not obviously strategically, like, deep on any level. But, like, this is a season where that would be rewarded. So, I don't know. I just sort of see it as, like, at least it's kind of consistent. And I I know about Jeannie, so. Yeah, I kind of see where you could get there. I'm not even close. Jeannie's pretty, like, I have her eliminated. If she wins, like, I'll put clown makeup on. Like, I just, I don't see it. Um, that said, I I think you're right. Like, she does have kind of fundamentals. She does have a pretty good opening. Uh, the foundation's kind of there. I just, like, I don't really know if I I would see the, like, UTRP, UTR, UTR, giant episode where she's yelling at the start. And, like, I don't, Mm -hmm. like, granted, she was the decoy, but, like, yeah, like, we didn't really even get her and Brad being close. Like, I think if anything, our take that her being, like, the Grim Reaper is a lot more likely. Um, like, the person who's always kind of almost getting voted out, but not quite. If she sticks on, I think that's what her role is gonna be. 
or she's leaving next. Like, I, either way, I don't think she's a long-term important character. Yeah, I'm kind of being swayed to Jeannie leaving next. I think I'll stick with Tiffany so you can have Jeannie for your prediction, but I appreciate I you. That. <laughs> yeah, because I, yeah, I, my predictions for Boots have been quite bad. Uh, this <laughs> one, uh, you've been pretty, pretty good, I think. Well, I've um, been I've been predicting Xander, so now yeah. that I'm not, he'll be going next week. So that's yeah. so how it works. That's how this podcast uh mm-hmm. works, unfortunately. Um but picking the next vote is actually kinda hard, right? It's yeah, you know, it's like a one in thirteen shot. So I mean, we're not gonna yeah. hit it too often. This isn't um, the next eliminations edit. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, and that's the thing is like ultimately the only thing that separates anybody else is just like when they're leaving. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more thoughts on Genie. I think that the ramifications of a Genie boot next week I think are a whole lot more interesting than Genie herself in this season. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know a- any other lingering thoughts here on Genie. Nope. Uh, like I said, it was she had some funny lines. Um, the all the liquids are out of me through sweat was a bizarre mm-hmm. one. But yeah, uh, yeah, like good on Genie. Um, yeah, all that good stuff. So let's jump here to uh, Ricard. Ricard, and we actually we have a comment from our our post last week on the Edgic subreddit. Um, Buffalo ninety one. They commented and wanted us to get into the debate on this on the Edgic board right now. A popular one is like, what 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 do you do with a person like Ricard? Like a lot of people think he's one of the people who's constantly getting content. So if not for Shan, the front runner, is it him or is he just not getting credit and insight and probably not the winner? So I mean, we're definitely going to address this, and I I feel my position I've been pretty strong on, and I'm not really wavering is that. I definitely think it's the second where, like, Ricard still continues to just not get agency in any of the times Ua's gone to Tribal Council. Um, He's always right there with Shan, but it never feels like it's his decision. So I've always been very low on Ricard. I think I get why people see that sort of edit and him being consistently there and want to pick him, but I think delving a bit deeper, you see it's sort of empty just as content each week yeah no and unfortunately i agree with you um for the sake of fun i think the flip side would be yeah if okay i'm actually before i get into this i'm gonna say where i agree with you the biggest issue for me with ricard is that we just in this episode learned that apparently him and shan are number one allies like i do not think the evidence has been there to this point we've kind of called that from you know scenes we've seen in the background or you know, on the beach kind of scenes, but not confessionals. Um, If anything, episode one showed that they're on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. So when Shan says, Ricard's my number one ally from day one, that's not been on the show. And that's not good for Ricard. So that's my biggest issue. The flip side would be if they just messed that up, he's Shan's closest ally. And I think people who are close to Shan are going to do well. So that's good. Um... He's been on the show every week. That's another good thing. Um, if there is a background to Shan, it would be Ricard. Like if there is like if Shan passes that torch, it would be to Ricard. Mm-hmm. So like I, to me, he's high just because other people are not. Like he is yeah. certainly above Genie. He is certainly above Xander and Heather and Erica and Danny and Sydney. 
Um, like there's a lot of people he's above, and that naturally puts him as a a contender, sort of. It's just that still leaves him like number seven or something for me, right? Um, and I don't see it. Like I would actually be surprised if he won, because to me he's just too narrator. He is mm. middle. Like I to me. I think you can see him being CPE or under the radar in some of these episodes. To me, he's pretty cut and dry middle of the road yeah. to some degree, even if he is a little bit more complex in the premiere, for example. Um, he's just the narrator, and it's not very common the narrator person is is the winner. That said, we do have some good personal content with him. So mm-hmm. he's he's kind of a narrator with a twist. Adam Klein's edit didn't look terribly dissimilar to this at this point. So to me, he's still in contention. And so I guess to be a little bit of a fence sitter, Buffalo, um, Buffalo Lover ninety one, um, Buffalo. It's like oh. Buffalo and then V E. So like Buffalo. Ah, uh, it's like a wordplay. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, I guess my take would be kind of like a fancy fence sitter take, <laughs> which is I don't think it's either. I think people. I think it's like I see a lot of people with him like number one, and I'm like what like. Honestly, those people make me have him lower. Like, as, as weird as it is, like, I'm just like, what? No, like, that's, like, there's something wrong going on there. And then I see some people being like, he's absolutely not the winner, like, zero. And I think that's kind of off, too. Like, I, I, I really think he's, like, your... He could be the one to inherit Shan's edit if she leaves early. But what if she doesn't? And he's, he's just someone, like... He could just be a tertiary character um, who had some big moments, so they... Gave him some big scenes, but yeah, like I, I think to me, I have him. Let's see, he would be like pretty dang close to number six, which is not terrible. And this middle zone for me is fairly competitive. Like, there's some people who I'm, I have at zero, and then there's some people I have at like ten, and he'd be a person scratching at ten percent. Um, so I don't know. Good on Ricard. The issue with him, honestly, is that you forget a lot of what he says. You know what I mean? Like he's just given these confessionals that could go to anyone. Yeah, I I guess I find that like if we get to the end of the season and Ricard has won, these first four episodes would feel like a disappointment. Like yeah, he's not really getting showcased. I understand that Shan is probably driving a lot of what's going on now, but even still, he's playing such a second fiddle to her at the moment. Like, it doesn't feel... Like, Evie and Liana is a better example of, like, how to balance that better. Mm-hmm. So, that's why I'm I'm low on Ricard. Like, eighth, because that puts him above all the, like, the Luvus I don't like in Xander, but, like, still pretty low. Like, hanging on by a thread. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing. So, like, if, if my theory here that Genie's leaving next... And that would make Ricard and Shan are de facto Bobby John and Stephanie or Malcolm and Denise. He's easily the worst of those six people. You know what I mean? Like if you were to rank uh, how Bobby John, Stephanie, Malcolm and Denise, uh, Ricard and Shan all look when they're the final two, he's like easily number six, right? Yeah. I mean, I would need to refresh on pull out, but yeah, it's it's definitely much lower than both Malcolm and Denise. Bobby John was my favorite Survivor player for most of my childhood so i don't know how many people would be like ricard is my favorite survivor player right now you know yeah and i i think it's good to compare with denise because i think denise didn't have like a ton of content but it was the right content that she was getting throughout all of that so yeah like i feel like denise is somebody who was fairly visible early on and falls mm-hmm. off like the premiere she's like she her and zane are carrying the premiere right like 
yeah. the, the tattoos and reading them and she gets an introduction to her career and everything. And I guess that's kind of similar to Ricard. It's just like, I mean, I guess Ricard, if Sarah's Zane, you could kind of piece something together, but Sarah wasn't <laughs> Zane. Um, <laughs> and I think that's where the issue and the things sort of fall apart there. Um, so yeah, like not the highest on Ricard, but I think I'm a lot higher on him than you are. Like, I feel like you seem like he's like, Barely hanging by a thread, and to me, yeah. he's barely not in my contenders list. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, either way, not super hot on him. But I am glad that somebody's spurring this conversation. Like, mm. I'm a little sad that neither of us are like one or the other. Like, I feel like you're <laughs> way closer to the he's he's been dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. I should just come in next week and just have him number one. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's the bit we'll do. But no, okay. um, I think the issue is he's just kind of forgettable in this role so far. And I honestly think that the come on in guys thing still looms large on Ricard. And yeah, like there's just yeah, that's my that's my take on uh Ricard. I think so if you look at Ricard and Sydney, they both have this sort of snarkiness to them. And I think it sort of is the way Survivor is sort of doing its villains without like going full bore into villainy. And like I can tell they want to like throw shade on those two, but not go full like OTTN ever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing from both of them. Like Sydney is more more exaggerated at this point, but Ricard is is there for me. Like I see it, and it's not like it's not things that are like well spoken and leading towards a winner's edit. Like it's pointing out all the little snippy things he says and when he's yeah. Not. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like even when he's complex, most of that is like when he's complaining about JD and like, Oh, JD's not going to be here long. That said, JD isn't here anymore, but I, th- I think you'd get Ricard maybe digging into JD more in this episode, right? Like mm-hmm. we got that in the past. I don't get why we would get that here and give him like a little bit of a triumph. Maybe if next week, um, Ricard's like, Oh my goodness. Finally, the mission's done. We did it for you, Sarah. Shan's gone next or something. Like I could see it. It's just, like, Sophie was a little snarky. Yeah. It's just, I feel like Sophie also had a little bit more complexity going on by this point. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's that's an issue. I got nothing else here for our boy, Ricard. Yep, that's good for him. Uh, so let's jump to Shan, star of the season for sure. My favorite character. And, Joe, I'm so sad. I was loving the last two Uh for contender wise being able to be like shan's gonna win the season i'm so excited like i'm just counting on the days till finale night when this amazing survivor player and character wins i almost eliminated shan this week i realized i was being a dramatic person by when i did that so i rethought it and i have her high i just i think i i don't actually believe it anymore i think i actually i've been tiptoeing between whether evie or shan's my number five and i think i'm gonna put evie number five and shan's off the list um to number six so what that means for me shan coming in here and saying that ricard's her number one ally when we've got so much shan content and we haven't got that that's pretty not great we actually have a shockingly small amount of like who like kind of what she does sort of thing like i think that they realize she's a star and i think she's the main character i think she is she says she doesn't want to be the villain but an assassin i think she might be her villain um even if she doesn't want to be um hmm. she had a 
flurry of great lines. I just, I've lost faith. Well, I will say it's exciting to have sort of the two ways of looking at Shan, both here and present. Because I'm still very much like Shan number one. Like, there were things this episode that I'm like, that's that's interesting. But I feel like in past seasons, I've seen those same things and been like, oh my gosh, they're dead. They can't have possibly given this to the winner. So I think going back to the point about villainy, I think unlike Sydney and Ricard, Shan is very clearly in a place to be the villain. Like, you could do so much to paint what she did to JD and other choices she's made as very negative. But the edit really, you can feel it like straining not to go that far yes like it remains as positive as it can be it gives you a fun character all the time like really focusing on that song in this episode um her line about farting one another at tribal council like i know i think she is the sort of almost the tony of the season in that she's a big character who just does run the game and i i definitely don't see the like ricardo's her number one thing as big as you do i think I think Survivor's at a point where it can be sort of implied that they were close. They were close throughout most of the episodes. Um, And I think with how few people are on Ua, it was okay to assume that. Right. I think, I don't know, I feel her edit is still in a good place. Um, The things we were shown, like, I'm thinking about her little outburst at, like, the nighttime scene right after Tribal Council, or... I think that's fine. That gets shown no matter what, I think. Like, Mm -hmm. and that moment, I actually, like, I saw a lot of people soften on her there. I don't think that's that bad. If anything, it shows her control that she still doesn't get any votes we you had to show jd not trusting her for a little bit and then you see her re-earn his trust mm-hmm. like i honestly think joe that shan is like i think tommy's the best recent player in terms of skill i think shan is a would be giving tommy a run for his money in terms of raw survivor skill um mm-hmm. she's really 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 good jd even says it and like, you're right there is a hesitancy from this show to go too far jd even says she's really good at this mm-hmm. but like we make sure that we get reminded that she's really good um and so for everything all that kind of stuff all the amazing personal content you're right it's super weird and the internal debate i'm having is is shan russell hance or is shan tony and i am unclear i guess maybe is shan Aubrey is maybe an interesting idea to go through. Well, the issue with Aubrey is that, I mean, okay, so let's take the Aubrey example. The issue with Aubrey is that she entered the game, she she has like a panic attack on day one, and Mm. is it's a pseudo growth edit, right? Um, But, why does Aubrey lose? You leave that season with the conclusion that Aubrey lost, partly because of a bitter jury and she should have won or whatever, but um, that's not my take, that's I think kind of what the show takes. Uh, but more that she's indecisive, right? Mm. Aubrey crosses out a name, and that basically is, to make it simple, uh, why she loses. She crosses out a name on a vote, and that's enough to disqualify her as a legitimate player. Shan has been defined by indecisiveness as well. Mm-hmm. Is that just a death knell in Survivor? Maybe. I think it's more likely she's hated, actually, if she loses. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be unfortunate. 
because we can definitely see the star power and all that. I don't know. I think, yeah, she's had moments of indecisiveness, but it's always been shown as, like, coming through and making the hard choice. Yes. Like, once again, like, the choice between Jeannie and JD got framed as, like, a really hard choice where she likes both people involved. And I think it's another case where she made, like, kind of what looks like the wrong choice. Like, it seems like this has been just, like, burning a better ally to, like, vote out that worst ally the next time, like, <laughs> three times in a row now, so. Um, but the show is definitely not really framing it as such. It's saying these are hard choices, and they're right. justified by the edit, so. And, like, on the flip side to what I'm saying, like, you could easily see, like, I always talk about the winner montage, right? And you could easily see Jeff Probst being like, Shan was a... Uh, you know, she's the badass, uh, pastor, the, the mafia pastor who struggles at times to pick the right choice, but she makes sure she, she carefully considers all options, um, might go down to two people, so she's an underdog, um, and she's not a villain, she's an assassin, like, you can see the montage here, and it's not too hard to see, and that's why she's still a top content, like, you know, she's still right there for me, it's just, this one gave me some pause, this should have been a win, this should have been a slam dunk, um, also, her confessional where she's like, uh, he's yelling money, and she should have yelled tribal, so good. Yeah, very good. But, I just think this should have been a slam dunk, and it was like, not quite. It was, we got some weird, weird moments where it just didn't seem, like, they probably could have polished it a little bit more. And that's the issue I'm having, is like, if you have this magnetic person, and there's still a little bit lack of care there, I just, I have to hold that against her. Okay, well, I will try to sway you back on the Shan train, because I think it's still a good one. <laughs> but, I, I also see, I also see the sort of, these big characters and the themes and stuff shaping for maybe a smaller character to pick it up and win in the end but right for me um, i still have her number one i'm glad you do because i hope you're right like i would be significantly more happy if shan won than if liana <laughs> won um by a lot so um no i love that um yeah no i i think that's i think that's good um and oh also the little nathan thing i think actually is important yeah, being called Nathan Jr., that really ties her to, like, the, the like, literal survivor. And, I mean, she's the one who says survivor has never been more survivor. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she's tied to that, which is a really good sign, too. For sure, for sure. And that's what makes me, like, a little hesitant. Like, I'm like, I'm next next week, am I just going to be like, oh, it's Shan again? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little bit resistant to, like, the, the you know, elasticity there. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that's a good, good summary of Shan. Uh, I think either way, she's going extremely far. Mm -hmm. um, Very I could, important character. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if she's not in the finale. Mm -hmm. I, I, like, she could leave earlier. Sometimes you do see that happen. Like, Zeke and Christian and stuff like that do leave earlier. Um, she feels almost more developed than them. And, yeah, I, I think I'm going to say she's she's in the finale. I would say there's some slight chances early on in the merge. Especially if it does, they get out all their big threats early on. But I think after, like, in the, if she makes it to final nine, I'd say she's guaranteed to final six. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we have seen, uh, like, Missy leaves earlier and like stuff like, like yeah we have seen things shift fast right like um don't forget at this point we were like in most of the edge community i feel like was like oh missy's awesome missy's a hero like kind of verging I mean, on a villain but I not think, 
not a hero, but, you know, like, cutthroat badass, but we hadn't seen over-the-top villain kind of thing yet, necessarily. I'm checking, I'm checking the receipts. I mean, yeah, she was not negative to me at this point, but I had dropped her off my contender list by episode three. So, mm. yeah, I feel I, like... Yeah, it I, was around this time. Mm-hmm, I saw that early, but, but yeah, I think Chance Edit is headed in a very different direction. So mm-hmm. no, I, I I see definitely see that. And either way, I mean, like I don't know. I kind of hope it goes down to two. I think that would be cool. Um, and would probably give Shan a lot of legs. Um, I guess one thing is like maybe the story's just like she couldn't drum up more support. You know what I mean? Like losing those challenges was enough to lose the game. Like she needed her cult group and. There's eight other people or whatever she has to meet, and that's just too hard. Uh, yeah. But one thing that is interesting is we got that musical cue like two or three times in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's good for her, for sure. Like, they are wanting you to know that cue, which is, means it's going to happen a lot more. Yeah, yeah, we like, knew it was coming back, and I'm I'm interested to see like when and why it pops up. If it's just... I wonder if there's like a really big scene with it later that like requires it yes no i agree i think we're gonna so my hot take here with um shan shan is gonna make the biggest move of the season like Mm -hmm. whether that parlays her into winning or is like made the wrong move that's in shan's bucket i also think we are going to get a moment where like they want us to be familiar with that song and they want to be able to play it without her humming. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be tied to a one of those big moves. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, I, I mean, there's a reason they're doing this in multiple episodes, getting her saying it and playing it. Like, they're really trying to fuse the two and really make you remember it. And I think it's going to be because we're getting a quote-unquote huge move, like game-shaking. And, I mean, we kind of just saw it, right? Like, we just saw her take JD's advantage. So, um, I think we're going to get something big, big 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 from shan yeah yeah definitely that scene of her like when she was like i have a plan like i knew that was sort of a catalyst for like shan has the ability to cook up things and then enact them so Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's something big in the works yeah and something that's so interesting is we see like everybody be like shan's deciding who goes home Mm -hmm. and she's not getting any attention or votes even ricard's the one who's being discussed as the other vote like she's so good yeah (laughs) like how is she like they know like and they also all know she has the advantage like Mm -hmm. wild that she's not even like as far as we can tell even a a, like it's like you're not allowed to talk about her kind of level (laughs) yeah yeah so queen shan love her i think this conversation has made me put her back sorry evie you're back to number six and shan is back on my board uh, um, but yeah, big, big stuff for Shan. Uh, I guess let's jump here to JD. I'm going to be kind of sad he's gone. Uh, yeah, I, it was just so weird. I was expecting so much, uh, like a longer tenure for him and then really a shock when he went home this early. Um, yeah, yeah it's sort of, I guess the one thing I didn't consider until now is it leaves the space for the growth at it open. <laughs> like, for real. Kind of thinking JD fit there, but I don't know if I have another, another big contender for that spot. 
maybe Tiffany a little. A little bit Tiffany. Like you could maybe see a world where it's even a Heather or mm-hmm. uh, Danny grows into being cutthroat or something. But yeah, like I, as of right now, it looks it's kind of empty. Yeah. Nasir. Possibly. But like, I don't know if he's gro- like, it's weird because some of these people don't feel like they have space to grow. Like yeah. I was thinking Deshaun could be a growth edit, but like, it seems like he's like, he's <laughs> like a summit. Like he doesn't need to grow any. Yeah. He's kind of just a mob boss at this point, right? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's right up there. So yeah, it's interesting. Like, what happens with the growth that it gets cut before they can grow? Uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of the story that we saw, and it's a sad one for sure. Um, the poor guy is like, oh man, it really hit home to for me when he was like, I just Jeff's like, you know, there's these moments, like, but after the fact, you're gonna have so much reflection on who you are. And he's like, yeah, but I please don't let me reflect now. <laughs> like yeah. that was so good. He's a really good speaker. Um, I really liked when he was like, I came here to evolve the game of Survivor, not kind of like be one of the dummies. And then unfortunately mm. he kind of was. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't always a character I liked, honestly, but I wanted to see him to see what he'd do. And I think that's a sign of a really good character. And a, one of the strengths of Survivor is that it can really foster like not even like JD wasn't like a love to hate character, but like being interested in characters you don't relate to or like really like that much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think we're meant to take from him the, I, the so like he was a weird one because I think overall what he's CP mixed is how I would put him overall. And it's an interesting one because I think we're supposed to take his passion as positive and his inauthenticity as negative. Yeah. And he was simultaneously both at once. He was extremely passionate and eager and never giving up while being inauthentic. And it's similar to what we're saying with Sydney. I think he's the other one who kind of bounces off these themes in a negative way at times. And that's enough to see a pack at home at fourth, fourth boot, fifth boot. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Rip JD. Um, it's, I can't believe he was still doing the like cocky throws. <laughs> like you would have thought he learned his lesson last week. Did no one tell him, Hey, don't do that. Well, you gotta, you gotta show, you gotta put on a show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was checking off his boxes and didn't get mm-hmm. to check off enough. Um, yeah, uh, I'm like, one thing that's kind of interesting is like a whole lot of TV time is now open. Yeah, just, I mean, you look at the people who have gone and it's been people who have been really involved in almost every episode. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see, yeah, who fills in the spaces for like this. Right. We have so many lower edited characters. So Yeah, like literally Brad leaving opened the door for like as much as we loved Brad, like mm-hmm. in his hijinks that he was getting up to every week. It's like him leaving literally directly after leads to the entire Luvu tribe showing up. Yeah. <laughs> like um so yeah, I mean stuff like that matters. JD being gone is going to be another big opening. Again, might be a positive for these people who have been kind of gone. Like, what if Heather just gets JD's content? <laughs> uh, Heather picks up the torch for JD. Yeah, I mean the one to one. Her passion and inauthenticity. Yeah, Heather's a Heather's a snake. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> I think that's good for JD. Um, mm-hmm. and honestly, Joe, a part of me lowering on Shan is the fact that JD's gone. I thought that there's a good chance they were the complex duo of the season, and that's clearly not the case. Yeah. I think Shan's winner equity went up a lot having JD there as a as hmm. someone to bounce off of, and I just don't think Ricard, Ricard has that upside. I think that hurts 
her chances indirectly as well. Yeah, like I said, with the numbers being so low in general, it's hard to imagine, like, what is Shan? Like, should Shan win? Like, who is it with on these other tribes? Because we yeah. don't know anything about our relationship with them yet, so. And that's what makes it hard, too, is, like, I think that the complex duo does matter. And, I mean, unless it's Ricard or Genie, which seems unlikely. Shan doesn't really have somebody to bounce off of that's also complex and dynamic. So maybe Ricard's weird edit is kind of to remedy that. Um, yeah, to give some sort of space in there. Yeah. Until she finds whomever that is amongst the merge tribe. Yeah, which I have no idea who it would be. Like, that's the worst part is like Shan hasn't even gone to the summit or anything. Like, mm -hmm. if this is a season about, like, these fragmented side alliances cross tribes or whatever, we have no idea or any indication who that would be with from Shan's point of, point of view at this yeah. moment. Yeah, my, my hot take guess is Liana. I feel like Shan and Liana Ooh. might pair up. Yeah, I can see it. I, can, I mean, I can see Shan. I still think we're going to get Shan and Evie face down, like, uh, battle of the ages. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess that's Ua. Um, and again, just to reiterate, like, what a great episode. I had such a blast watching it, rewatching it. Like, I feel like there's so much that I just like, like I could watch it probably a bunch more times and probably see things I missed. Yeah. Um. So let's jump here to predictions. Joe, who is our next boot? Uh, uh, I'm going to stick with Tiffany. And I'm going to go, I think somehow it's, I mean, uh, like, I feel like Erica's clinging on and this tribe's not, I, I'm going with Genie. It's, okay. we're I going say, to fire convinced me to genie we're going to fire i i so yeah i think that's my this is my prediction genie's leaving next they do another challenge oh it's, okay. it's palau okay well hmm. i don't honestly don't even know if they would do that again i feel like they would probably just do the bat thing situation yeah or just merge at that point right because like an interesting i guess thought experiment there is so with Tandang, right? Uh, a tribe that we've referred to multiple times is like a very obvious example, or so, I guess I've been referring to as a, a clear example of not the complex tribe. Denise goes to Calabar, uh, mm -hmm. not Tandang. So like, I don't know, like that could be part of it, right? Like what if Ricard and uh, Shan split off to two different tribes, making Yasa the complex tribe or whatever, or making, you know what I mean? Like, cause Matt Singh's clearly the complex tribe in Philippines, but then it turns into Calabar. Mm -hmm. that, that could be it, right? Like that's, that could be the story. Um, I just I don't can't know. imagine where they're doing that and then having more challenges. I feel like they would just be merging at that point. Yeah, that's, I guess that's the issue. It's just the actual struggle here they haven't lost enough in a row um but yeah so that's our next boot um wildly different ideas here i think on where it's going um and then so for winner joe uh any change based on this uh this podcast here i don't think so i'm sticking with shan number one liana number two and nasir has dropped off he's still number three but he's not not so good to be on the chart and then i really am there for tiffany i guess and i don't know deshaun and evie are sort of bringing up the rear but they're just all in the background <laughs> yeah you only have those two on your chart yeah so. shan and liana yeah and mine's way more of a weird hodgepodge um and these are more like honestly five people i'm somewhat confident in more than a particular love of any of these specific people mm -hmm. um i got liana number one i think that her not being here isn't that big of a deal but is a little bit on shaky ground more is the 
to me, the top kind of fell out, and so she's there. Uh, number two, I have Nasir. I think they could be doing something interesting with him and kind of funky. Uh, number three is Deshaun. He showed up in a big way in this episode. He was extremely visible. Um, he got big character moments. He's been there the whole time. He has that connection with Evie. On the wrong try, but I think that connection with Evie spares him a little bit. Um, and that's basically my take on why Deshaun's there. Honestly, I feel like maybe I should have him higher than this year, but c'est la vie. Uh, four, I have... I'm actually going to put Shan here. Uh, our conversation shifted me back up to being... I think I was a little reactionary. Shan's number four. Um, for everything we said, baller player, still in a good spot. Just needs to connect to somebody is what... Like, I need her number one ally to be the Sean or something. And that'll skyrocket her right back um understandably in a weird spot to have, to have to present that and bringing up number five is tiffany what i said before it's just has focus basically the five people i have here are the five characters who have been in every episode except for liana who was a little bit absent this week um but otherwise has been there every episode mm -hmm. like it's literally the the four of them who've had focus every week and liana yeah yeah i think i think that's a good list cool 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 uh so that's our show uh we post episodes this week it'll be on saturday uh we post them on our edgic and on our survivor so we always love reading your comments and all that uh if you do want to email us do that at the winner edit at gmail.com overall though loved talking about survivor this week loved watching survivor this week hope every episode rest of the time is this good and i think it can be this cast is awesome mm -hmm. definitely agree and I, I hope we're in for more more fun episodes like this so perfect perfect so that's your show and farewell see you next time and if you were watching closely there was a clue got the million dollar check written already i mean i'm i'm the winner my wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons last time i played like a cop this time i'm playing like a criminal i don't need to be girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them i guess my nickname's fabio each new day i get out here is a blessing because i was only supposed to get three so i'm either gonna win or i'm gonna die trying